Hi, I'm Stephen Weber, and you're watching The Claws Corner because Rich Sear is a sick student. Today's guest is a director, writer, producer, actor, editor, and fight coordinator. His movies include Friday the 13th, Vengeance 2, Bloodlines, The Fall of Camp Blood, Roseblood, a Friday the 13th fan film, Reflections, Project Chameleon, Four Bobby, Red Swan, Lockdown, and Vengeance. Please welcome the man also known as the Mad Cuban. Of course, I'm talking about the great Peter Anthony. Peter, how are you? What an introduction, man. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's good seeing you again. I saw you at the double feature. Yeah, the double feature we're talking about for the people watching was at the Strand Theater. Larry Dwyer puts on a movie, a pair of movies every two, mo every, every two months. And two months ago in January, it was Friday the 13th, Vengeance. And what was the other one? Um, I It was Vengeance 2 and Rosebud. Yes. So we're going to get into both of them. They were both great. First time I ever saw them. And it was funny because the minute the first one was over, I said, I got a friend, Peter. I want to talk to him. I want him to be my show. I realized that we were already friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't you, know. I must have missed you. Did you go to Horror Fest? Oh, yeah. 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 I think I saw you there, too, I think. Yep. I definitely have seen you there. And after we started talking, I remembered I met you there. And also, we have several mutual friends we're going to talk about. One is Mark Wither. Yep. And also Joe McGee, which you starred in some of his movies. He's a former guest of uh, The Claws Corner. He's, he's been for a great guy, both of them. And I know Mark acts in his movies, and Joe writes, directs, produces, basically the same as you, like all yeah. his movies. Yeah. Mark was a producer for, for Roseblood. Oh, he was? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a great guy. Great. I've known him for years. And it was funny because in the middle of the second movie, he goes, uh, we took a picture of you stabbing me. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's a heartwarming picture. It's going to be my Christmas uh, card to everybody. <laughs> but Mark posted like, oh, it's good to see two of my friends uh, becoming friends. And I said, oh, you know him, too. And I realized I saw him in the credits. So, yeah. Very small world. Yeah. And I'm a gangster with him in Four Bobby. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's actually wearing my chain and I think my glasses in that scene. Yeah. I forgot. Something That's like that. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about uh, the. We're going to get to Four Bobby and some of the other movies you do with Joe McGee of McGee Productions. But before we do that, I want to start with a Facebook post that I saw because we're, we became we're, we've been friends on Facebook, and one of something I saw recently said looking for a dance choreographer for a major motion picture. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So my next film coming out is called Laugh, um, ah. and that one is not a fan film. We're trying to go right to the movie theaters, trying to get distribution uh, international, uh, national. Um, so that one I can't get too crazy into, but it's, it's, it's like my baby, you know? So I've, I wrote it, um, produced it. I'll be co-directing it cause I'm actually in it. So the scenes that I'm in it, I need a director, uh, and I need a co-director anyways. So this is like a big project of ours. We're, we're going to shoot three days for the trailer in November 4th, 5th, and 6th in, uh, in Connecticut, in Wallingford. Wow. So, um, and then we're going to take that trailer and then shop it out to investors to try to get the funds we need to to go to the movie theaters and stuff. So we're looking for like 250 grand to like 500 grand to, to do that. But we think we have a really good script and uh, we already got some people on board that are big names, but I'm trying to hold that off so that when I do the IMDb and when I do the site, I keep the excitement going and stuff like that. But one of them is, an, is a, a Golden Globe winner. 
another one's a multiple Oscar time nominee. So I'm trying to like, all we did was lose money for fan films, which is what you do, right? Yeah. But you learn the process, you learn the craft, you learn the people. And now it's yeah. like, okay, time to, can we step it up to this level now? Hey, definitely. Well, I can honestly say, doing my research on you, I saw the poster for Laugh and you caught my interest. I said, I cannot wait to see this movie. I cannot wait to talk about it. So what I'm going to have to do, since we can't really talk about it now, you're going to have to come back. You have yeah. to be in the, you're also a current and a future guest. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, that'll be an honor to come back once like we announce everybody and the trailer comes out or yeah. something like that. That'd be awesome. All right. I want to talk about the two movies that we talked about that I saw at the Strand. One was Roseblood. It's a Friday the 13th fan film. So I'm sure most of my viewers already know, but uh, I had a recent guest on. It's not released yet, but it'll probably be released by the time this is. Michael Levy. He's yeah. part of the Terrifier movies. But he did a couple of the Michael Myers fan club movies. Yeah. Fan film movies. So um, basically, it's you're a fan of Friday 13th, obviously, because you do such a great job of you. Actually, I got to tell you this, and God's honest truth. Growing up, I was more of a Michael Myers guy. Like, I love the, I love the Jason movies, but watching your movies and then doing my research on you makes me want to go back and watch, rewatch all the Friday 13th movies because you, put so much work, so much blood and guts and passion into these movies. I said, I forgot how much I like the Jason movies. Yeah, thanks, man. That means a lot. Yeah, we because Vengeance 2, Vengeance and Vengeance 2 is after part six, 30 years after six. And then part seven is um, two different timelines. It's it's uh, right after part seven and then today's date, you know, so yeah. 34 years after seven. So I'm glad that you, you like them. Yeah, and here's what I loved about that one because it's completely different from any of the others. I mean, in this one, there's no drugs, no campers, no sex, and no, no lake. No nudity. No nudity, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's in the lake, comes out of the lake. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but I know what you're saying. And that is kind of why I like Seven, too, because it was so different. People are like, oh, you got to put, like, weed in there, and you got to have people having sex, and you, you should. I'm like, no, I'm going to tell the story. I don't need to do any of that. If it, I mean, oh, if, yeah. if it was part of the story, I guess, but I don't need it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the reason all those scream movies came up because they were making fun of those movies saying all right well the one who's promiscuous dies the one who does drugs does this i mean so they were basically saying how all these movies had rules and there should be one rule there are no rules and i love that so i, I love a good that. movie glad you said that i love that too yeah and i don't I and mean, i grew up loving all that stuff with the nudity and the horror and the, all that stuff uh, i just that that seven story it doesn't really fit in it and so to continue it does it wouldn't make sense to add it in just to add it yeah. What I love about your movie is it has that great 80s feel. So I, I'm a huge fan of the 70s and 80s movies. And your movie brought me right back to the, being 15 years old, watching Friday 13th, the original ones on the, on the screen. So you did, a, as I mentioned before, a phenomenal job. And I recommend to all my viewers watching this right now, just go out and see all the movies. Anything that has Peter Anthony's name attached to it, get them all. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, did you see like the I had the magic eight ball and the little tiny yes. machine and the yeah some some of the stuff because I'm I'll be forty seven so I grew up in in that era where, where you know the early eighties I was growing up. Yeah, and I'm fifty four, so I'm a little bit older. So I definitely was you know like a young teenager at that time using all that stuff, and it brought back some good memories, and it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, thanks. So as I mentioned in the intro, you're a writer, director, actor, producer editor fight coordinator i mean this is basically your citizen kane you're orson wells <laughs> <laughs> and, and rose blood right rosebud yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't even think of that that's funny yeah, yeah it's like the most <laughs> famous word in like movie history you know? i know 
yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's because, you know, because we have a low budget. So you got to like do everything yourself. Where was this? Or, yeah, if you don't mind me asking, um, how long did it take to film? And approximately, did you, hit, you had uh, Indiegogo for this movie. Is that correct? Roseblood. Yeah. 52 grand. And okay. we filmed the whole thing in eight days. Eight, eight days. Yeah. For a feature film, that's pretty. Uh, certain days we had over 200 shots. Wow. So 200 shots. So two. So let's say you had three different cameras, right? That's three yeah. shots. And then so 200 shots we had in one day. So how many day hours were you working? 16, 17 hour days? Um, every day was 16. And then the last day was 21. Wow. So uh, seven 16s in a row and then a 21. I probably slept 15 hours within those eight days. It was pretty crazy, dude. And no, but nobody fought. Everyone got along. It was, it was like a family set. It was great. Cause, cause well, I, 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 I think my strength is my organization. So yeah, like yeah. I'm super organized and this is what we're going to do. And okay, well, all the pictures on the wall are going to be 11 by 17. So they'll all be in the same spot. So when we get to the next one, we just flip those for the next one. All the name tags were interchangeable. So like things that the rooms, we reshot the same rooms and then repainted one while we did another, like we kind of were really um, efficient with what we did. Yeah. Well, you definitely were. And I love the fact that everybody's working together. You had some good names in that movie. I mean, I want to talk about two of them right now. First yeah. one is Laura Park Lincoln. For people who don't know, she was in Friday the 13th, Part 7, House 2, Freddy's Nightmares, Not Slanding. And that's just the part of her uh, Wikipedia. So um, the other one I want to talk about, and I'm really impressed by this one, too. And it's funny because, as I mentioned, I just interviewed Michael Levy, and they said he's coming out with a movie called Stream, and he just hired him to be in this movie stream it's terry terry kaiser yeah. this guy if i wrote down everything it would have taken five pages just to write down for my viewers he plays dr crew in friday the 13th part eight but he was also weekend at bernie's one and two as well as classic television shows that i grew up watching like emergency barnaby jones bionic woman all in the family hawaii 50 maud wkrp in cincinnati one day at a time three's company Etc. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Golden girls, the golden girls. Oh yeah. How can I forget the golden girls? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, first of all, how did you get these actors? Did you, when you were writing a movie, did you have these actors in mind and say, I want to write the script around them and try to go out and get them or do you just write them, write the characters and said, I think they would fit in this movie. I mean, I, uh, I didn't envision any of them. So I was just going to tell the story of young Tina, right? And not have the present day Tina. So that could be anybody, right? Yeah. And, and then um, a friend of mine, when I went to Indiegogo, John Wood said, well, you know, I, I can get you in touch with Lar if you wanted to try to get Lar. So originally this movie was supposed to be a 20 minute short. And and then I got in touch with Lar and I, I'm like, well, I got a part for you. And she's like, well, what is it? I'm like, I haven't wrote it. So then I went back and wrote it. And when I wrote it, I had her going across from Terry... Dr. Cruz, Terry Kaiser. But when I wrote it, I had it so in my brain, the, the camera would only be from his like lower chest to his waist. So he'd be going by the table. So you'd never see him, which yeah. would make sense if it's in her mind, you know? So, and then I'm like, that's how we get around not having him. And then after she read the script, she loved it so much. She's like, why don't we get Terry Kaiser? I'm like, what? We can get him. And then we got him. And then she's like, we can get Kevin, you know, Nick, Kevin Spiritus. And then we got her old boyfriend, uh, Ke Nick, Kevin Spiritus to be in the film, who's a seven time Grammy award winner now, by the way. Wow. I yeah. And I love the fact, as you said, there was no egos on the set. People were working 16, 17 hours a day. Everybody was getting along. That's great. 
Yeah. When, uh, how long did it take you to write the script? I know it took eight days to film, but to come up with the whole premise and the whole story in general, how long did it take? Uh, writing it, it took three days. But in, in, in my head before that, you know, I always had the ideas of what I was going to do. But then, then you know, you had to sell per certain parts, right? So you sold like this military guy, the fast team. So you sold these parts off in Indiegogo. So then you had to incorporate that in your head. But I don't know, it just came pretty easy. I'm such a huge fan of Friday 13th and yeah. part seven. So th that came pretty easy. But yeah, once you get in that zone of creativity, it's really, it's hard to get in the zone. But once you're in it, it's pretty easy. So that was like three days. Yeah. Wow, that's very impressive. Thanks. The other movie I want to talk about that we saw um, was uh, Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. And that one stars Tom Matthews, which I love. He played Freddy in Return of the Living Dead. He also was known as Tommy Jarvis in the Friday 13th franchise. So once again, it will, how did you go and get him? Well, that's Jason Brooks was the director of Friday 13th uh, Vengeance 2. So we always talked about getting him for Vengeance 1. Um, but he, he, uh, we couldn't get him for vengeance one. So then for vengeance two, Jason was like, we should get him. And Jason's like, he's at this con with me. We're like, go get him, dude. So he went over to him and, and like sold the idea to him. And then he got him. And we, we already got CJ from part one before who plays Elias, the father. And we had Tom McLaughlin, who's the director in, of part six. We have him in there as the gravekeeper. So, and we also had Steve dash from part one, the yes. sack Jason. So we got Steve Dash's grandson to play part two, to play the young son. But so we already had everybody that we just reached out to before, but the, Jason Brooks is the one who got Tom Matthews. Well, I think it's, you know, it's very similar to what I do now. Like I go to a lot of the conventions. We're going to talk about that because I, I have some funny stories and I know you do about meeting people at conventions, but before we get hey, there, you go to Monster Mania? Which one's, where is that? Next weekend, New Jersey, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh, no, I usually, I'm going to Chiller, which I always go to Chiller okay. and I used to go to Rock and Shock all the time, but I used to go to Rock and Shock too. I loved Rock and Shack, and it started off so great and so strong. They had so many great guests, and then by the last year, yeah. it was just like, oh, the key grip from Buffy or something like that. It was just, it was sad. Because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you know, I, I did forget about that one. I'm going to check my schedule. I might see you there because I, I think I have that weekend off. So I'm going All to... the girls, one through one, two, three, and five, it was one through four, are going to be there in photo op, too. And Undertaker's right. going to be there, a bunch of people. Right. Well, I think I think I I think I have to make it. But yeah. the reason I brought that up was, I um, was that now that I go to conventions, I meet all the different people. And when I first started asking guests to be on the show, they're like, ah, oh, you know, just hit, give me your card or this and that. Call, contact this, get in touch with my agent. But now I'll say, well, I had uh, D. Wallace, I had Adrian Barbeau. Oh, you had Adrian Barbeau. Oh, I love Adrian. I'll do your show. Or I had this guest, uh, Max Gale from Barney Miller. Oh, really? I so. The reason I'm bringing that up was I think it's probably the same with you. They can see your passion. They can see how much you love this. And you have these big people in your other movies. They're like, oh, really? He must be serious. I'm going to do his movie. That's exactly what happened. So when, when I got Lar, I said, uh, I'm like, listen, we're not just dudes with our iPhone in the backyard. I'm like, we, we've done vengeance. We've done some stuff. Let me send you some, the movie. Let me, you could talk to CJ Graham and his wife, Ruby, and you could talk to the Dash family and you could talk to anybody. And then she went on and watched it. She's like, oh, okay. You guys aren't joking around. I'm like, no, no, we're, we're you know taking it serious. So yeah, you're right. And it's funny you say that because that's what Terry says in, in the, the behind the scenes are coming off of Roseblood soon. Okay. And uh, Terry and Kevin and Lar all said it was the passion that got them, you know, because they, they want to believe in something like that. So I'm, I'm so animated and passionate about it. It kind of won them over, I guess. Well, it's funny because I was reading the reviews on one of your movies and it, people were saying, 
anything that Peter Anthony has his name attached to, I'm going to watch. This guy is the best. And people are just raving about you. Oh, that So it's, I, it obviously shows, not even through talking to you, like meeting you and having you on my show, but through your movies, how much of a diehard fan, all the different Easter eggs you put in there, all the different references you put in there that you know your stuff and you love this. Yeah. And uh, you, I heard you say on stage at the stream, I want to talk about this. You said you used to love watching Rhonda up all night. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So USA was Rhonda up all night. And um, uh, what's the gentleman that just passed away? Gilbert. Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. I, I, remember, I actually have him do a shout out of Rosebud. I have a video of it. It's funny. Oh, really? He starts swearing in it because, you know, he swears and like crazy. <laughs> so I have that. And then there, and then my parents' house, and we didn't have TVs in that room back in the day. So there was a TV downstairs. So I would get up to go like pee, you know, and then I would just sneak downstairs once I was up <laughs> and I'd go down like 11, 12 at night and HBO yep. would have stuff on and then you'd get to watch it on there, you know, but I, I tell people this all the time. I know you'll agree because you're, you know, a little older than me. It's cool now to like horror. It's mm-hmm. sexy now to like horror. Back in the day, nobody's parents like were horror fans. So it wasn't like cool. You're almost weird if if you liked horror like that. So it was like it was almost like a like a, a taboo thing to do, like an indulgence that you wanted. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. it, it was really in you if you liked it back then, where it wasn't just the cool thing now. I got really lucky when uh my brothers and I were very young. I mean, when I was seven years old, I saw Jaws 17 times in the theater. My father used to say, Hey, do you want to go to school? Do you want to go see Jaws? So we end up seeing my brothers and I, but my father introduced my brothers and I to so many different horror movies like Blood Sucking Freaks, I Spit on Your Grave, The Phantasm Franchise, um, Friday the 13th, Freddy Krueger, Evil Dead. So whenever they would, my father would take my brothers and I to the theater, they would say, oh, I don't know if your kids could take it. It's too intense. My kids can handle it. Get them a ticket. And by the time I was 12 years old, I was jaded. I saw The Exorcist probably I was nine or 10 years old. It didn't bother me at all. And I'm being serious. Wow. We saw it at the drive-in. <laughs> the drive-in. Oh, I loved it. So that's there's why still I, said, one, I, I, still I tell one people in, all the time. What was there's that? still one in Southington, right? There's Southington. There's also the one in Mansfield. Southington yeah. shows more of the older movies, which I love. Those are the movies yeah. that you and I grew up watching and things like that. Yeah. Mansfield shows more of the newer stuff. But I just love being outside, 75-degree night, popcorn, soda. Yeah, Brings me back to my the youth. shitty sound. You had those metal holder, those old oh, school, yeah. like old school microphones. They were so shitty. You had to lower your window down. Then, as the years went on, you could then tune in your radio to it. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because at the Mansfield one, I actually used that a couple. I have. I used to bring my boombox, and the batteries went. I'm like, ah, oh, going back to old school. Got the old speaker, which they still have. Put it in my window. It was yeah. hilarious. It's yeah, like, a, exactly. like you said, tin box. But back then, though, which people you you'll probably remember part of this. That the drive-ins didn't show the main features. They used to show movies that weren't ready for prime time. Like I saw movies like Grizzly there, Linda Day George, which I interviewed. She was such a great person to interview. But then they had like The Groove Tube, all these different movies that even, I mean, it started off with Night of the Living Dead, George Romero. That never made it to the indoor theaters. It was more of a drive-in feature that became a huge hit. It was like Grindhouse films. Yes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah, but it's so cool. You ever see that picture like uh, in, in Texas, I think it is, where they play Jaws and you're sitting in the rafts in the water? Yes. Oh, dude, that would be sick. I would love it. I got to tell you a funny story about that because when, when I saw it, the only scene that scared me was when um, Bed Gardner's head came out of the boat when Hooper went down yeah. and, he, and he saw the tooth. Every time it would go like this, I'd go, because I yeah. knew the, the music, more of John Williams' music would just get me. It would make me jump. 
Yeah. So my parents live in uh, Dennisport. So they have a Jaws Fest. The movie was obviously filmed in Martha's Vineyard. I'm sure everybody knows that. Um, I went to a Jaws Fest and this woman came up to me. And she, I had a shirt of Hooper in the cage and she goes, oh, I love that shirt. I'm like, oh, thanks. So um, we were talking and she said, they're like, all right, Chrissy, we have to get you to the front. I said, boy, it seems like you know people. I want to hang out with you. She goes, come on. So I get up in the front with her. I'm sitting next to the guy that played Sean Kittner or Alice Kittner. On the other side of me is um, Deputy Hendricks. I'm like, maybe she really does know people. So I started talking to her, hanging out with her. And she goes, yeah, let me give you a ride home. Cause like the, I had to get back to the ferry and after 9.30, I would be stuck on the island. Right. So I have no idea who this woman is. So she, she gives me a ride. I said, yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, actually, first of all, this is even funnier. I'm walking out and somebody goes, hey, can I have your autograph? I have no idea who they thought I was. I'm like, don't want to disappoint my fans. I signed like a big R and some squiggly lines. I have no idea who they're showing this autograph to. Like, hey, I met the guy from Jaws. Which one? I don't know, but he's from Jaws. <laughs> so when she gave me a ride, she goes, you know, what? I like you. You're funny. I want to get, to, I want to keep in touch. What's your number? Here's my number. And she goes, do you know who I am? I said, no. She goes, you know the guy that played Ben Gardner? I said, yes. She goes, that was my father. I said, what? She goes, yeah, yeah. That my father played in the movie. I said, your father scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> so Alice Kittner's real name is Voorhees. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot his first name, but his last name is Voorhees. Secondly, in that one shot, when Hooper, like when they first get the shark that's not the Jaws and they're wondering what it is, you ever see that shot in the background is the Amityville Horror House. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, I a didn't shot know that. in the Amityville house is in the background there. That's funny. I did not realize that. I got I yeah. to watch it for the 150th time. Yeah, that, that movie is so good, dude. So good. It's just I so, know. People, it's like not even really a shark movie. It's just the shark. It just happens to be there, you know? No, exactly. And we everybody yeah. knows the whole story is that because the shark wouldn't work, it made it even more suspenseful because he went the old Hitchcock way of like the less you see is more. And wasn't he, um, um, oh, my God, what's the captain's name? I'm Captain Quint. Quint. He was the third actor, right? They yeah. didn't even want him. He was like second, third, fourth choice or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Sterling Hayden was the first, and he didn't want to do it. And then there's something, something um, I forgot who the second was. Charlton Heston they wanted for Brody. But what happened with that was uh, Spielberg said, I don't want somebody that's more famous than a shark. <laughs> he goes, right. I want somebody that's like less known. Which is true. I, I love the drawing from Quint on the board with the big shark eating the kid, you know, with the big teeth and everything. Yeah. yeah. That was hysterical, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's that's one movie that, I mean, it was made in 75. And a lot of times when you watch movies from that era, oh, it's so outdated now. It is no. not outdated at all. No, because because half of it is just the beach and water, which doesn't outdate itself. Yep. You yeah. know? Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is the way they were dressed, just the simple shorts, simple stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't totally into like the crazy, you know, 70s and stuff like that with the, the yeah. attire, at least. But he wasn't wearing the polyester shirts and. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a timeless, timeless movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait. From years from now, we're gonna be talking about when uh, Peter Anthony made his Jaws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laugh, man. I'm I'm so excited about laugh because I I told the story to maybe like five people and they're all like that's a phenomenal story. And I was like, really? And cause you always think it's a phenomenal story if you write it. Yeah. So, um, and they're like, no, it's really good. It, it works and this and that. And then I tell them to tear it apart and cause I tear it apart. So I'll do a scene and I'm like, why would that guy do that? Why wouldn't somebody come in? Why wouldn't the person run? Why would this then happen? And I tear it all apart and then come up with reasons why it all makes sense. Like legitimately in the story. So, so it doesn't have a dumb, you know, why, you know, what's wrong, you know, cause people go online and find stuff wrong all the time. You ever see, um, the great one is Forrest Gump when his mother dies 
and he's in front of the thing. He goes, we buried you on a Tuesday. And someone looked at the date and went back. And it's not a Tuesday. Really? <laughs> it was like Thursday or something like that. People are crazy like that, you know? People have way too much time on their hands. Yeah, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, you ever see that? He got with uh, James Cameron and told him that the skyline at night when they were sinking with Titanic was the wrong skyline. Oh, my and he's God, like, really? Who, who cares, dude, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't, all I want to do is really be entertained. I really don't care about the details. Like if it's a Tuesday or a Thursday, if the skyline doesn't match. Yeah. You know, there's, um, but the question, I, I mean, I know we can't talk about, we're going to talk about it when you come back next time is, is a laugh in the horror vein, psychological thriller, drama. I'd give you some uh, psychological thriller. So the, there's there a few deaths in it, but nothing crazy. It's nothing. Um, it's not like a terrifier. You know what I'm saying? Which yeah. kudos to Terrifier. That's phenomenal and the success and everything. I love it. I love those guys. I know them. Everything was phenomenal for them. It's just, it's more like the Joker and it's more of a descent into madness. Yes. And um, cause so my DP, who's a director, uh, Cody Newton taught me a lot. He's like, man, you did really good writing the first script, but on these scenes you could do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you want to show, not tell. You don't want to tell someone why someone's crazy. You want to show them why he's crazy. So I really took that to heart. And when I'm writing this one, everything is show, show, show. Less words, more facial expressions, more what's going on. And what he's doing is showing you instead of somebody narrating it for you. Yep. And that's yeah. why, I mean, I'm sure you know the, the whole story about The Shining and how Stephen King hated it. And Stanley Kubrick actually had to put a gag order. I'm saying, if you badmouth the movie anymore, I'm going to sue you. So shut up. I bought the rights to it. But I love that movie. I mean, his descent into madness and it's just builds and builds and builds the tension. And I know I don't agree with Stephen. I love Stephen King. I love his books. And but I don't agree with the fact that he started off crazy. I think that it was a slow burn, a slow yeah. build up into the madness. And that's I love those kind of movies. Do you ever see the picture where his tie is the actual maze? Uh, for what? Which one? Or when the part? shining when he's first like meeting the guy for the job? Oh, go look at his green tie. His green tie is like a velvet tie. It looks like the maze. They like zoomed in on it. That's see, it's funny. Did I did you, not you know that realize there's no, that there, there's no power cords or outlets anywhere in that movie. Every single TV or light that's on, there's no cord and it's not plugged in anywhere. Wow, it's like a dream state. A, he said, "Yeah." There's, and then there's the a documentary in that. It explains all the conspiracy theories and all the inner workings of Kubrick's mind, which I know that guy is so detailed. Yeah. Room 237. Yes. I saw it, yeah. Um, and then the other cool point is, I don't, I didn't read the book, but in, so in the beginning when they're driving and like there's the overshot of the woods and everything, they're driving, let's say, a red buggy or whatever, or whatever they're driving, and Stephen King was pissed because it was supposed to be yellow or really? something. So if you look at, look this up, um, if you look at uh, Misery, he takes their car that they drove and he crashes it in, in the accident that he gets into to like oh say F you back to Kubrick. Like you should have put my, you shouldn't have put it in the film because they hated each other for a while. Well, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, well, I, I interviewed Owen King. I met Joe Hill, his other son, but I did see Stephen King do a, a talk at the, uh, not the Warren theater. It was the palace or what, what's the one in Hartford, the Bushnell. I saw him at Bushnell. the Bushnell. And he was talking about that. He said, you know what? It was one of my second novel. I think it was my second novel. The thing was so close to me. It was basically a biography on me. I was an alcoholic. He goes, I learned to get over it. He goes, I was just so close to it at the time. He goes, but, but he once goes, you sell the rights, it is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so he has, he has a sense of humor about it now. But back then, yeah, he, he hated Cooper with a passion. Yeah. Same thing with um, uh, Natural Born Killers. That was like a script Tarantino. that Quentin Tarantino wrote. He hates the whole... Um, um, 
the black and white um scene with um Rodney. Rodney Dangerfield and all that. He said that's not in my script. He goes, they put it in there because I don't like it. You know, I but love it. I love it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Speaking of uh, because another movie that he wrote before he became popular was uh True Romance with yep. uh, Christian. Yeah, I love that movie. But I want to talk about this. I'm sure you already since from the, the look on your face, you know what I'm gonna say. You know the story with the ending and in, in Tarantino's story. He was going to die. He got shot in the eye. He goes, there's no way that he would live through that. But Roger Avery came in and rewrote the script because Tarantino said, I'm not going to rewrite it. I don't care. I want him to die. Yeah. No, I, I never knew. I So I went to um, the, the Connecticut um, cult classics movie thing when they did True Romance, which was like three, four years ago. Yep. And I bought, I brought, brought my dad. It was my favorite movie of all time. I and I brought one. my dad and I bought the $150 box that has the napkin that says you're so cool that has his license that Gary Oldman finds that yeah. has so much has the record in it. I mean, dude, let, let's, I'm going to forget some. So you fill me in. So you got a movie that the first script ever was written by Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. You have, um, um, Oh my God. Who's the main actor who gets shot in the eye. Oh my God. What's it? Christian. No, um, Christian Slater. Slater. Yes. I was gonna say Christian, Christian Bell. Christian Slater. His, his consciousness is Elvis. Who's played by Val Kilmer. Yes, his, his girlfriend is Patricia Arquette, and then you have James Gandolfini, you have Brad Pitt, you have Dennis um, Hopper. Hopper. I mean, dude, just go down the line. There's literally 20 people in that film that are just A-list stars. That Tom Sizemore off today. What? Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore. Gary Oldman. Uh, uh, Sean Penn or Chris Penn. Michael Penn. Chris. Chris Penn. Chris yep. Penn. Chris yeah, Penn. Then... The guy from Balky from Perfect Strangers. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that, that movie is so good. And that ending is just insane. Yeah, no, I love it. That, that, to me, that was just like you. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. And Gary Oldman is... Christopher Walken. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he killed that whole scene, which I don't think I'm giving any spoilers away, but the whole scene between he and Dennis Hopper is hilarious. Uh, yeah, he tells the story. He goes, you tell me, am I lying? And, that yeah. was, I, and I love the whole mafia thing. Like, they cut your hand, but then they throw you a towel because they feel bad. <laughs> you know, it's like cover it up. <laughs> that, was, that was a great scene. I just like, he's, he, I forgot what he said, but he was like, just, ah, I love that guy. He just starts laughing, then boom. Just, yeah, <laughs> I haven't killed anybody since 1981. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That is such a great, and I mean, I, I I agree with Tarantino, but I think that a lot of people would flip out over that ending. And that's why another ending, which I love the, in the movie, is uh, Stephen King's The Mist. Oh. Okay. Best twist ending of all time. I had, you know what sells that, if I may? People, people are like, why is the ending so strong? I'm like, I'll tell you why the ending is so strong. That large monster that they show at the end, because you don't see the monsters at the end, you hear them. And that's what sells you into being scared. But when they stopped and they saw basically a, a monster as big as a mountain walking by, it sold you that the earth was over. It yeah. sold you that the world was over. It was stepping and the car was bouncing every time. And then you heard the other screaming. And that's what sold you that, holy shit, everything's over. It's not just little spiders anymore. Everything's everywhere. And then hence what he does. I mean, in real life, you know, that if that was real life, that guy and eventually kills himself or ends up in the same asylum. Oh, exactly. No he goes yeah. on and lives a regular life, right? No yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was the best ending. I, I can't find, I can't put another ending above it. No, it's funny you say it because I said the same thing too. And it was funny when I first was walking to the theater, people were walking out like, F this, I can't effing believe that. They're going on and on. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I walk in there and I'm watching it. I stood up and I actually clapped. I said, this is the most honest, awesome. brutal ending. I said, I loved it. And uh, you know what's funny? Because 
if you read the short story, in the ending, Stephen King's book, it just basically, they were driving through the mist and it just kept on going on and on. It never ended. And even Stephen King says, boy, I'm not even that dark to come up with anything like that. He yeah. loved it. And the way they show his son, who was sleeping, looking at him right before. And the crazy thing is, he thinks he's being like a hero. Like, he's yeah. sacrificing himself for them, but it turns out being the absolute worst move. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you and, I, you and I are definitely on the same page with pretty much every movie so far. I, I showed that to my mother. I'm like, Mom, you watch this movie, and at the end, she's like, No, like everybody. I don't care if like you were mad or yeah. you were blown away. You had a reaction. There's no way you didn't have a reaction to that. No, exactly. And I love. You know what's funny? Because I like a lot of the uh, foreign movies as well. And it seems like U.S. is the only movies that have to end on a happy note, where they walk away into the sunset right. happily ever after. Most movies. In, in foreign movies will end on a sour note, a, a sad note. Like, um, I can't remember the name of a movie, but it's like, uh, what's the movie with uh, Kiefer Sutherland where he finds his wife in the trunk? He's looking for her, he finds his wife in the trunk. That was, I can't, I'll think of it later, but it's a remake. In the original movie, he, he finds his wife and she's dead. In the movie, I think it's Sandra Bullock in him. I'm, I could be wrong, but he finds her and then of course she's, she's alive and he saves her. It's yep. like they always have to have the happy ending because they're so worried that the audience is going to turn on them, which is sad because I heard people coming out of the mist and they were turning on the Frank Darabont. Yeah, I, I, I love that. What was that movie that came out from North Korea a couple of years ago? Oh, I, Parasite. I Parasite. love that movie. Dude, I love that because like it plays on like the human condition, how nothing's nice and everybody's bad. And, and like it didn't it didn't have a really happy ending either. And I love that movie. Yeah. Well, that's funny because I saw the trailer for that movie and I, I was telling my wife at the time, I said, this is the perfect trailer, a teaser trailer. So what's a teaser trailer supposed to do? Tease you into wanting to see it. And when I'm looking, I said, I have zero clue what this is about, but I know I have to see it. And when I went in there, I actually came home that night and said, we're seeing it again tomorrow. That's how much yeah. I loved it. It was yeah. so wacky you, and so crazy. And it's like a book. You, you, everybody gets their own different opinion on it when they read it. I agree that that's how the teaser was. I had no. I thought it was something was attached to somebody, some kind of parasite. The people are humans are parasites. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was great. That was great. I'm not sure if you saw this. There's another movie. Her, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, trash her name, but a, she's a French director, June DiCorno, I think something to that effect. She came out of a movie last year called Titan. T i t a n e. It's about this woman that gets pregnant by a car. I said it was at AMC. I said I gotta see this. But believe it or not, I'm watching. I'm like, I can't stop looking away. This is great. So I um, did. You live in Connecticut, right? Wallingford. Yeah. All right. So you probably know about Hampton Best Video. Yeah. I love that place. I go. I have a ten dollar a month thing where I can get as many movies as I want. I still go there. I still rent movies. I love that place. So I looked her name up. I said, I gotta see if there's any any other movies. She came out with a movie called Raw. I said, let me rent that. It's about this vegan. She's fed meat and she becomes. She goes on a killing spree. It doesn't sound, I'm, may, I'm not even giving the movie justice. These movies are done so well, so artfully, and they're so, like, you, where you can't take your eyes off it. But, yeah, I, I love movies like that where you're just like, what the hell is going on? I love this. Mother. You ever see Mother? Yes. Yeah, it was crazy. They ripped the baby apart. I mean, the movie was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many great movies. Getting back to your movie, I want to talk about this for a second because you and I were talking about this um, at The Strand. I was mentioning that I interviewed Sarah Karloff, daughter of the great Boris Karloff. So I want to talk about the connection between, um, was it Roseblood and, oh, sorry, Vengeance 2 and Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, 
you mean because of the Tom Matthews part or what, what part did you mean? Well, you know, I think you and I were talking about, and you did mention the Tom Matthews part and there was, a, there was a, cause you said so, he was a huge Frankenstein fan. So in part six, Tom Matthews, when you look at Tommy Jarvis on the phone, when I think he calls Megan, he's in front of a, a dealership, which says Karloff's dealership or whatever. So Tom McLaughlin was a huge fan. So that's why he put him in there and, and re and that's why he resurrected him with the lightning so that's why in Vengeance 2, without giving things away, they wanted to end that story with the lightning. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm getting. I don't want to yeah. give anything away. It was just I want to talk about the connection because yeah. uh, Sarah, I don't know if you ever met her at the convention. She is no. such a great person. I'm, I'm not mad, but I'm, I interviewed Victoria Price. I interviewed Sarah Carl. The only one I haven't interviewed yet is Bela Jr. I'm trying to get him on the show. Did you get Rico Browning? No, no, I I met him before. I met him at the yeah. one of the Connecticut ones. I'm not sure if it was Connecticut Cult Classics, but he was at the Connecticut one he years ago. He was there. He was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. He was. He was a great guy. I love Preacher from the Black. I love all those Universal movies. Dracula. How they shot Frank that with that outfit underwater back then is so far ahead of its time. You know what I'm saying? And clear, and the guy didn't die within that stuff. And I mean, that that is amazing, dude. You know, that was so far ahead. Of it. And and it's so weird because if you if there's there's this weird sexuality with females with that movie that yeah. like they almost love the the creature from the Black Lagoon because it's like a sexual thing because he's like stalking her like a voyeurism thing from the water, right? You get that feel from people. Yeah, definitely. Movie? Yeah, it's like that movie, the lady. Was it called the Lady in the Water that won an Oscar? It's something. Oh yeah, similar. yeah. She she has sex with the uh, the the alien, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's something similar where there is some kind yeah. of. And you know what I love too? I don't know if you were old enough for this, but there was a time when Seven Eleven would pass out the 3D glasses. Yeah. And they had to, okay, so they had creature from the Black Lagoon. I remember like put the glass. It had the red and the blue. It was shitty. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw Friday Thirteenth 3D like that. Oh yeah, yeah, and they do the stupid tricks like the yo-yo and the and oh yeah, the stick. Remember, you remember, like a pizza, dude. Remember, besides Seven Eleven, I think they used to come like in the mail with the TV guide, and then they would be like, my mom would be like, hey, tonight at so and so's a 3D movie. Oh, and we would get our glasses and we'd all stand in front of the TV and watch it. Remember, and it was like so shitty, but we thought it was great. Oh yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> those those are simpler times then. No, definitely. And I, I, I loved it. Like, I, I look forward to that. I remember, like, uh, and it was so great because, like, what year were the, were the Creature from Black Lagoon movies made in the 50s, I think? 50s? Early 60s? Yeah. yeah 50s. So it's just the fact that they were able to do that kind of technology or maybe that they updated it later on. I'm not sure how it worked, but it was it was good for its time. I mean, not the movie itself, but, I mean, the 3D was good for its time. But, but to put the camera underwater, I mean, oh, we yeah. have shot in Vengeance underwater. It's a $10,000 apparatus that it protects the, the camera to put it underwater yep. you know what I'm, i know the camera's worth a lot more today than then but still i mean i can't they probably just rigged that themselves somehow i can't even imagine there was a system for that back then well it's funny you say it because i'm sure you're a big jaws fan so you probably know this story the, they had two orcas one that was supposed to sink one that wasn't supposed to sink the one that was supposed to sink didn't sink the one that wasn't supposed to sink sank so there was a time when everybody was um trying to they were they were worried about the actors drowning and somebody from the crew says Fuck the actors, save the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that's what they talk about. Spielberg made it such a great film because Jaws was the shark was supposed to be seen a lot more and it wasn't. And and that's what and by the way, that's kind of how I wrote um Roseblood, because you don't see Jason till like an hour, 55 minutes into the film, and that's how I wanted it to be. I wanted you to miss him, and then when he comes back, be full board crazy. So and that's they call that the Jaws effect. That's where <laughs> that came from. Well, it, it definitely worked. And Roseblood, it definitely worked for the fans too because I was doing my research. Where did you have 25 nominations and 16 wins? Uh, where? 
Yeah, because like, uh, I saw that you won a lot of awards for this oh, movie. I can send you a, a thing. There, there's there's a picture of all of our things on one of the yeah. posters. I can but, send you, but there's tons of New Jersey Horicon. Um, there's there's a million of them that that went. Vengeance won um, 60 awards? Vengeance 60, 2? wow. Something like that, 50 or 60 awards? That's it, amazing. Insane. Yeah, so so you apply to them, and then they, they pick you, and then they tell you if you're a finalist or not. So it, it was amazing. Uh, well, I saw some of the won. awards. No, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say some of the awards I saw listed that you won right. were Best Feature Film, Best Picture, Best Producer, Best Actress, Best FX, Best Gore, Best Kills, Best Script. And that was yeah. just what you listed. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, amazing because, you know, it, it, the greatest thing about being, it sounds cliche, but being a director and producer and spending so much time and money, you don't even really care about yourself. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to lie and say it's not cool to get that stuff. But yeah. to see that my special effects team won, to mm -hmm. see that my actress won, to see that I love that stuff. The fact that you created something from air and just made it into something that made people's lives better or made their career better. There's there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Plus also, yeah. It's, it's almost like being a manager where when your people look good, it makes you look good. Right. Right. Because you're automatically going to get the praise just because of what happened with them because they're going to watch the film and it, you know, it's a good film and stuff. So, yeah, it's like writer, director, editor of this award winning film. So even if you didn't win an award for yeah. something and but your FX crew did or your actress did, like it's a right. reflection of you. Did you ever see the offer? That one? I don't know. I, I have it's, to look on, it's on Paramount right now. The I offer, have to look that up. It, it's a 12 part. series. Listen to me, dude. It's a 12 part series on how The Godfather was made. It is. I, I have Sopranos. I, I never saw um, the drug one, but I have Lost. I have I have like all these best shows I've ever seen in my life up there, right? It's got to be in the top three. The offer. It's the true story on how they made The Godfather. Dude, it'll blow you away. Is the best acting, the best right? I don't know how they made the film. Like the, the mafia was trying to kill him. It was insane. But you, you have to watch that because the gratification I got is what he got, like you're saying, at the end when they went to the, the producer. Because back, especially back in the 70s, producer, nobody really cared who the producer was or anything. It's always about the actor and the director, you know, mm -hmm. and the writer. And when they went to the awards and won 11 awards and how much it meant to him and stuff like that. So definitely watch the offer. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, now that you mention it, somebody else told me the same thing. They're like, I don't have Paramount. I'm going to check it out, though, because I'm going to find it somewhere. Because they did tell me, not what you told me, but they said that it's a very good film. I didn't, I forgot the name of it, but yeah, the, I know what you're talking about. Somebody it's like a 12 that part series, I think. I think it's 12 parts. So yeah, that's another thing, too, about series. People talk about films. Well, a film is, you know, hour and a half, a 12 part series, you got 12 hours. Yeah. Like that's so, so much of a bigger production. People don't understand. Yeah. Well, that's why I love the, I mean, I want to go to, you mentioned Lost. It's funny about Lost. I wow. never saw the show when it came out and a coworker of mine says, you have to watch it. I said, eh, I'll get to it. So he actually gave me the box set. I ended up keeping it. <laughs> yeah, I, I kept them all. And it's funny. I got, I got a chance to interview Daniel Roebuck three times. Yeah. Yeah. He is such a great hey, man, guy. You got a little Arnst on you. You got a little Arnst on you. When he blew up from the Black Rock. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. He's all, I, I met Daniel Roebuck at a PA Horicon last year. And he was like, I got a big film coming out, which I didn't know was the Munsters. Yeah. Have you checked that out yet? I did. I hated it. Uh, you know, I'm afraid I'm because I'm, I'm going to interview him again. I haven't watched it yet, but from what I can see, the only good thing apart about that movie is Daniel Roebuck. He does a great grandpa Al. Dude, not trying to lie. He's the best part of the film. Yeah. I don't know anybody that doesn't say that. Like he's yeah. the best part. It's just the take on it was a lot more comedic. It's weird. It's like the Munsters was a great show that that delivered comedy. They tried to write it as a comedy. You know what I'm saying? And it just it didn't work the same.
Yeah, for me, Rob Zombie's hit or miss because I do not like his version of the Halloween movies at all. I'm I'm a huge fan of John Carpenter for one reason. I love his simplicity. Basically, he's the boogeyman. You can't kill him. That's all you need to know. Rob Zombie did this whole backstory. I really don't care why he is the way he is. I just like the fact that he is the, the boogeyman. And I did like uh, Devil's Rejects, but I didn't like uh, Lords of Salem. So there's a mixture of both. Uh, like He's hit or miss for me. Same here. I, I liked Rob Zombie one. I do get what you're saying, though. I didn't like the the white trash backstory. It's just like everything's white trash with him. It just gets over. It's redundant. Yeah. But I, I did like the story. If you're going to do it different, he was still scary, still menacing. Everything. Rob Zombie 2 was atrocious. Yes. Atrocious. Lords of Salem was atrocious. Um, but Devil's Reject was great. House of Thousand Corpse was great. 31 was okay. There's another like two of them where you started getting all weird, like with the the ghosts and the white shadows and the white horse, like in Rob Zombie 2. And so yeah. I agree with you. He's he's hit or miss on that stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue what I want to go into now, then, because I'm sure you heard the rumors that he's interested in uh revamping the Friday 13th franchise. What do you think of that? I don't know. I, I guess <laughs> I, I guess it's a good thing for change, right? Yeah, because, because if he's going to make like a trilogy like that, because that's what they want. So uh, right now, Halloween ends is on right here on my TV. Um, Halloween, t- follow me, right? Halloween 2018 comes out. I was never been more in- invigorated in a horror series in my life. I'm like, wow, okay, they're doing it right. This is great. It's going to be great. And then Kills comes out and you're like, what the hell was that hospital scene? It's very political. It was so stupid. They obviously yeah. didn't. He didn't look like he looked like the goddamn penguin from Batman Two. There's no way it's Michael. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. evil dies tonight. And the woman had an iron hanging out in the street. You see that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so then you're like, okay, maybe they'll. But he was he was kick ass in that. He was killer. He was he was definitely supernatural. And then you come out with ends, and you're like, they ruined it. Ends was so. And I, I I gave ends a review of six point five because as a movie, if you can remove it from the franchise, it wasn't a bad movie. I thought the acting was good. It was it was a good movie. As a Michael film, it's the worst that's ever made. And as a Halloween film, it's one of the worst ever made. So that to me, that 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 third installment ruined the whole new trilogy. So yeah. that's what I would be scared would happen there. It, it seems like impossible for them to put three in a row. That's great. Meanwhile, Marvel put together twenty one in a row. That was great, you know? I know, I know. You never know. Yeah. It's, like I said, hit or miss. And the thing with the monsters, I want to get back to that. I haven't seen it yet, but this is what I've heard. And what made the monsters, the TV show, hilarious was that they're in normal setting and they're the the weirdos. From what I heard, it's they're, they start the movie in Transylvania where everybody's a weirdo. So it's not going to be even funny. Because, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. so there's, no, there's no comedic uh, value because everybody's weird. Yeah. You know, they don't stand out in a grocery store. They don't stand out at the pool. Remember that episode back in the oh, day? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they don't stand out anywhere. And it's just over. To, it's like you see the jokes coming. And yeah, I don't I don't like it. Yeah. It's that, well, I guess, you know, I, just like just like you, I'm sure you'll be there in the theater watching it. And then we're hoping for the best. But Wednesday, know... they kicked ass with Wednesday. I oh, yeah. I saw that. Now, I didn't see it, but I know of it. And I've heard good things about that, too. Yeah, they, they did that one right. Now, with this Indiegogo for a uh, Roseblood, did you offer any perks? Like, say, people that gave a certain amount of money, you could be getting a producer credit, you could have a cameo in the movie, you can get killed by Jason. Yeah, a ton. That's basically the whole film. So, besides like the DVDs, Blu ray posters, we sold machetes, masks. Um, Mark Wither was a producer. So, the producer, you got your name in the credits, you got an IMDb credit, you got invited to the VIP, stuff like that. We had the premiere in um, in Brantford at the Woodwinds. 
Um, and then the fast team members, most of them paid to be fast team members, the the, the badass crew. Yep. So you, you paid for that. And then you had paid for to be a military and then you paid for military speaking roles or to die on film. So yeah, I always, I could, I could have went out and got actors for all that, but a, it's good to get the money and B it's cool to put fans in it that love the series. Well, you know what? Are you, are you doing that for laugh right now? Because I will give you money tonight. <laughs> so I can get, so I get killed. <laughs> not, not I don't even know what the story is, but yeah, not, not yet, but we're going to do an Indiegogo. So after we do the three uh, day trailer, then I'm going to go live with the Indiegogo and live with uh, getting the investor. But at that time I will add those parts. Well, I will definitely, now that I, I know what you're doing, I'm going to keep it, keep an eye on what you're doing and when you're doing it. Cause uh, awesome. you're be like, Hey, Peter, it's rich. How are you doing? <laughs> Remember me? Do yeah. you take checks? Do you, do you take credit cards? <laughs> you take you take Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Now, when you're making these fan films, uh, do you are there limitations to where you can submit it for festivals? Um you, you, no. So they, they may not pick you, but um no, there's no there's no real limits to it. There's the only limits with making a fan film is you can't um make over 50 grand for any 15 minutes, which nobody oh. does that um you cannot make money on the film and if you have any money you left over you give it to charity so i think vengeance one and rosebud are the only people that ever gave the charity um and we didn't make any money um we if i told you the numbers in the minuses it would blow your head in um but you you have to release it free online so whether it's uh youtube or whatever you have to release the movie free online and not make any money so therefore you can't really profit off using the likeness of other people yeah. Now, I talk to a lot of uh, independent directors and people who work on more low budget movies, and they have sometimes have issues with permits of so getting and they'll just say, well, we'll film as long as we can before the cops come. And then we take off. Did you ever have any issues with that? No, because we shot at my producer's property. Ah, OK. So the lake he owns and the buildings he built on set. So I never had that problem, but I've heard that a million times. Let's hurry up and get this shot and get the hell out of here before somebody calls the cops. Because permits would take so long and so much time and money. And then, you know, you'd have to be, there's SAG and there's non-SAG too. So we're non-SAG right now. We're probably going to be SAG for laugh, which once you're SAG, you got to follow like a whole nother set of rules. That's what I heard. Because um, I've, I've been part of the uh, 48 hour film project and I worked with people yeah. that are part of SAG and they said, I can't be in this. I can only do this it's like for 30s, whatever. I don't, I don't know what the rules are, but they, there was a lot of uh, restrictions of what they could do just with that 48 hour film fest. Yeah, because they'll pull, they'll try to pull your Screen Actors card, your, your Screen yeah. Actors Guild card, if you do something without being union, you know, just because wow. they want their take. So, like, if I was going to pay you to do this part, and I'm like, you know, I, I want, you know, $150 a day. Okay, fine. Well, the lowest you could pay a SAG actor a day, I think, is 1100 Wow. So, that's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. So, if you had 10 actors, you know, that's one hundred ten grand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you're, you're right now, are you, you're not in SAG or you are in SAG? We're, I'm not in SAG. Uh, we're, I'm trying to figure out we could be SAG eligible and then grab people. I don't. I don't know if I want to go SAG. It depends on how much it affects the distribution and the movie theaters. But some of them aren't. Like Terrifier is not SAG. Yeah. So uh, and some of the other ones. Uh, she came from the woods. Well, yeah. I, I just went to there. Those guys premiere uh, in Southington. Yeah, that's where I saw it too. I just want, I want to talk to you about. I was going to get to it. Let's talk about it now because I, I'm friends with Carson. Carson yeah. was and I, I don't know Eric, but I'm friends with Carson. He's going to be on the show. I was just talking to him not too long ago. I'm a huge fan of their films. And I know I saw a post that you and I said, I love this local filmmakers supporting each other. There's really no egos, no competition. You were there with your popcorn and your juju beads. I, having a good time. I told my niece, I said, Hey, I want to go see this movie with these guys. Cause I met them at the strand once. Yeah. 
um because uh, larry introduced us and and then i'm like oh, i want to see this and then i saw who was in it and everything and uh, oh man i i love the film what a great job i don't even know what their budget was but what what a great know. job they did they do did have you watched any of their other work because there was another movie that he did i can't remember the name of it but i was introduced to them through another fan or another friend who was friends with them i went home to do research so i can watch and i started watching their movies they yeah i, I can't remember the name of it but there was i felt bad because there was this one guy said this actor, man, he whatever happened to him. Unfortunately, he has cancer and he ended up dying recently. Oh, but that sucks. he was so good in some of their movies. But yeah, I have not seen a bad movie from them at all. And I know they've done TV series, movies, dramas, horror movies, and they've they've done a lot of different things. I, I definitely got, Larry told me about a couple other ones. Like two of them, he said that he played there. I think once, yeah, at, at the theater. So I got to check those out for sure because yeah, I, no, I was really impressed with and especially their sound. Tim Williams is is their composer. I hit that guy up because I might use him for laugh. I was like, "Wow, the sound design was great." You saw he she came from the woods, right? Oh yeah, I yeah. loved it. I loved it. I thought the sound was so great in that. Well, it's funny that you mentioned uh, composers because I well recently I went to New Jersey. I went to go to uh, New Jersey Symphony was doing the best of John Williams. He was my all time favorite composer growing up. I mean, my brothers and I one, would, one brother would buy Jaws, another one would buy Star Wars. I would buy Close Encounters. We just you can then go back and forth listening he did to Indiana them. Indiana Jones too, right? Yes. And yeah. Superman, Indiana Jones. I mean, yeah. he's Harry Potter. Yeah. He's he's um the only one he's below for Oscar nominations. I think um was Walt Disney. I think yeah, Walt Disney. He has fifty three Oscar nominations, five Oscar wins. The guy. I mean, you all you have to do is hum three notes of any of his uh, iconic themes, yeah. and you know exactly. Oh wait, Superman. Oh wait, uh, Jurassic Park. Wait Good a point. minute. Isn't that E.T.? Yeah. Someone said his next movie is his last. Yeah. He just did The Fablemans, which yeah. um, is basically Spielberg's biography. And I saw an interview with him, and he's 91 years old now. He's still touring, believe it or not. I would love – I tried to get tickets. He's doing with the Boston Pops, and um, it was sold out so quickly. Yeah. But they're making a new Indiana and Jones, and Spielberg wants him. He goes, we can't do the movie without you. But he goes, at 91 years old, he goes, they, sometimes it takes – a year to film he goes i don't know if i have a year so he goes i hopefully he goes, I, I but he goes i cannot say no to spielberg we've been friends for 50 years and whatever he asked me to do i will do he goes if i'm alive i'm gonna do it so yeah. that's gonna be his last one he said yeah either way i mean i didn't see the fablemans but i heard it was great yeah well the reason i brought that up was that um there's a documentary called score that um it's all about the um composers for movies and it's so impressive just watching their process watching how they I mean, it'll take maybe, well, for you, it takes eight days to make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah. But what, you, what I'm saying is like after the movie's over, then they're like, all right, here's the, here's the rough footage, do something with it. And like they come back 10 days later and they're like, see, you know, it goes great. You, like that, People don't realize, I love when people say, oh, classical music is boring. Watch a movie without music. And then you realize how important music is. I, I saved so many scenes in Rosebud with music and or just sound effects or whatever. It's it's yeah. very tough to not, you know, to sell. Look at imagine Rocky with no music. No, well they brought I mean, him up too. God, you wouldn't give a shit. You know, you're right. It, it it's so big and in, in in prepping you for the right emotion. You know. Yep. Well, that's why I said too. It's like you're not scared from the movie. Mostly it's the music. You're not crying because of the movie. Most of the time it's from. I mean, the movie. The actors will do it. The in the in the direction and everything else. But the music is what really draws the heartstrings. Jaws. Yeah. I mean, you never even saw the shark. You just knew he was around because of the music. And then once in a while, you saw Finn. You know, I mean, the, 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 his fear was sold on the music. And every time you heard the music, 
it was like Jason with, you know, that with Harry Manfredini, who did the score for Roseblood is the same thing. You heard that and you knew he was around, yep. you know, that that's so powerful. It's like being another actor. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know what I love about the Jaws is that I was watching a behind the scenes recently because I was watching a documentary on John Williams and they were saying they showed Spielberg saying he was. John Williams shows me this dun 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 dun. I'm like, okay, yeah, John. I thought you were just kidding. I thought you were gonna show me some elaborate piece, some some masterpiece. And he goes, no, no. He goes, the shark is primal. We're gonna make it. And so and he goes, it freaking works. It works. So it's, it's funny. Like he thought they were just kidding. But those two notes put so much so much fear into people where they didn't even want to go into the water. Sometimes well, simple is better. Uh, Kong, 1978. When at the end, all you hear is his heartbeat, and yep. then it go away. Remember that, that? How powerful was that? Yeah, you didn't no, need I to don't. tell the audience show don't tell. You didn't need to tell him he was dying. You you knew by the heart. All right, so a question for you because I uh, when you're when you're um, doing the movies, they, they were calling it spotting. So after the movie's over, they said you take the composer and they look. I want music here. I don't want music here. Do you do that with your composers? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We we did a bunch of our own too, hundred percent. And then the crazy thing is, and then I'll cut a scene right, and the, and then what work that is. So this is the scene, and we compose the sound to match to the millisecond, right? And yeah. then I'm like. And he looks away for too long. I want to cut that half second of that film. Well, now you've got to go back in and take that whole score and rechange it because uh -huh. later on there was a, a a thump or something that matched something else. You get it? So you have to rewrite it in a way. And that was because uh, uh, we used Harry Manfredini's, but there was a bunch we added in too. And that that is so tedious and such a, a skill set. It just drives me crazy. But I am like a perfectionist. So like we would get the film and I would make 300 cuts. Then I'd make 160 cuts and then I would do 80 cuts then 200 cuts. And then, wow. and then I would say, okay, um, the guy gets slammed into the table and then you're like, uh, like, okay, that's the sound. Like, that's no, not the sound because there was forks on that table and there was a cup and there was a gun on the other end. Yeah. But you didn't hear it when we had the mic. I don't give a shit. You didn't hear it during the mic. You want to hear it as the fan. So that, that cup went flying that way. And then he stepped uh, on glass but he stepped on glass for 10 feet. So his second step is 90%. His third step, I want 80%. I want you to fade it out until it's about 20%. Then I don't want to hear anything. Like mm -hmm. just, just taking the sound and of one sound and, and moving that around is, is so much work. But I got compliments on the sound because to me, it's, it's everything. Because just because you don't see it or the mic doesn't pick it up doesn't mean it's not there. And I'll give you an example. Terry Kaiser told me he's friends with the composer for The Revenant. And they're like, well, the Revenant's going to be so boring. There's no real music. There's not a lot going on. He's just in the woods. So the guy said, we're going to turn everything in the woods up to a 10. So if you go back and watch the Revenant, you can hear that river. Like it's in your, right off your shoulder. You can hear the trees. You can hear the wind. That became like the sound of the movie. And that, wow. that, that impacted me big when he told me that. Yeah, no, I love it. So what you do is you, after you're done with the film, you take it and with the composer, you watch it on a screen and then just, does he come back maybe a day or two later and says, well, or do you do it like bits and pieces at a time? You're supposed to finish the whole film yeah. and then give it to him. So well, I know, but I'm saying like, do you give him like bits and pieces of the film at a time? No, no, he, he wants the whole thing. Now I, I have given him scenes before when we did what's called, uh, what's the word? Where he'll send you a, a music to uh, a tempo music. Yeah. So he, he thinks, okay, this is what I think I'm going to go with. And you're like, okay, okay, that'll work here or that. So that, so I have an idea. But usually he doesn't get it, get it till the end because it's got to be exact. Like, you know, the door opens, there's the murderer. Dun, dun, dun. You got to have it, you know, exact. So usually at the end with them. Anyone else? Bits and pieces, but the composer at the end. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah. So do you uh, do you usually use it? I know you mentioned for um, for your next movie, who you want. Do you usually use the same composer? Or have you used the same composer for the last couple of movies, or do you have different people? All different. 
all yeah. different. And hopefully we get like better and better as we go, you know, yeah. uh, and we, we get a little better at it too. But um, no, the, the vengeance had Harry Manfredini vengeance Two, man, I forgot who vengeance Two was, but ball can't blood with somebody else. Uh, and then Harry Manfredini for Rosebud, but the next one will be somebody else. All right. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And it's, um, I want actually, I want to talk about, cause you, you mentioned editing and you, all the different things you've done, writing, producing, directing, acting. I think editing to me would be the most difficult because you're so close to it. You love everything. And then you say, well, we got to scrap that. It's not, it's not part of this. It's going to like ruin the flow of the film. Do you find that? Yeah. So there's two scenes I had to take out with people that I, that paid to be in the scenes. That, oh. uh, that I, I had to take out which was tough because it just didn't work and it didn't flow right and it just slowed the movie down so much yeah um and then like you said uh, just the editing of time like uh, you know this guy turns and then two seconds well i don't like that like just just little micro cuts everywhere that that i like to make to to keep the pace going and then other people think i'm insane i'm like i want you to cut a quarter second off the end right there and they're like what's the difference i'm like there's a difference i can notice it, it just went a little too long and your your mind came out of it you know so yeah. and a good friend of mine riley lorden who was worked on the movie told me that his professor in college for movies told him that sound is everything so he said when you watch et you watched it on 480 mm-hmm. not 4k not 2k not 1080 not 720 you watched et on 480 but the sound was so good that you didn't care because mm-hmm. it was that good. So that always stuck with me too. So I always wanted the sound to be right on. So. Yeah, no, well, I love the fact that you, you're a perfectionist because what some people might think, like, ah, who really cares who's going to notice? Some people will notice, like you mentioned, those people that are on. And I love the fact, and it, it may take a little bit longer, but you're going to have the effect that you want and you're going to get it exactly how you want. And it takes a little bit longer. Who cares? I'm, I'm with you. I love the fact, like a half a second, who cares? I care. This is yeah. my movie and I want it to be, you know the way you I see want a lot it. of the, the other movies like um the lower end movies the sound is terrible like this is a sound touching yep. your shirt that's a cloth sound mm-hmm. like it just so they'll grab somebody and you don't hear anything and then he throws the guy and then you hear a table I'm like where's the grunt where's the clasp sound where's the and it's weird because you'll be in the story but then your brain realizes there's no sound and it kind of takes you out of the story you know yeah. and you're not believable anymore in what you're trying to tell the audience anymore you you want the sound to be so good it's like a referee in a fight you don't want to notice him Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Yep. Anyway. Well, you mentioned Riley Lord. I want to talk about her because, or Riley, because uh, yep. another film I saw was the uh, fall of camp blood, which she wrote and directed. He, he, I'm sorry. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he, um, he directed and it was such a great movie. I loved it. It's, and um, thanks. There was, um, I saw that this was another uh, credit. I saw credited to you. Not only are you a writer, director, producer, actor, editor, but you were also the fight coordinator in this movie. Yeah, um, and a fight coordinator in um, – I did one of the, the coordination between C.J. Graham and Tom Matthews at the end of Vengeance 2 a little bit too. Okay, okay. They, we just didn't credit that. I didn't care. But they that I think there was photos on my Facebook. There's a video I did showing me doing that. But, yeah, we did a fight coordination in the bar when I fight John Ivey. That guy's an MMA legend. He has 150 MMA fights. Wow. So, yeah, we, we coordinated that. But yeah, so I got hurt during that. I had to have surgery. Well, I was going to talk to you about that because shooting was halted for th- over three months. And that th- leads right to what you were just saying. What happened? You did your homework, man. You're good at this stuff. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you did real good. Um, so uh, I had to swing a bottle and hit him over the head with it, right? Well, the, the, the breakaway bottles, if you grab them and go to swing, they'll just break off at the handle. So I had to take a real bottle 
in the first two takes, I have to swing a real bottle as hard as I can and then hit the brakes like right next to his head, you know? And then the next thing, well, I, my shoulders are messed up because I used to lift heavy and used to play football and fight and everything. So I went and swung the bottle, hit the brakes, and my shoulder just popped. And I was just looked at Riley, and I'm like, dude, my shoulder's gone. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, it's wrecked. It's not even there. So if you look at the footage, when I throw Ivy, I don't even throw him. He, my right hand doesn't even move. And he he goes flying through the table. I'll send you a, a video behind so I tore you have four tendons on your on your rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. I tore the one, two, three. I snapped my bicep off. It rolled down. I dislocated my shoulder and I pulled my trap. And we did, I don't know how many more takes after that where I'm throwing punches. I was in so much pain. Then later on, we went back to the hotel. And then we sat around for three hours, which is the worst. And we had to go back at midnight to this dock when, when the dock was closed, you know? And we had to mm-hmm. shoot another scene. And then I was I couldn't even put my contacts in. I couldn't barely put my clothes on. They had to put my shirt on for me. Oh, my it was God. Real. I came home, and I had huge surgery. They had to cut me, my whole chest open, and put everything back in. Then I had to go back three months later and finish. It's supposed to be nine months, but three months later and finish the scene, which is now freezing. It's snowing. We're in a barn uh, where I roll around at the end there. That was, that was after yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because your character in the movie – it was similar. To, I was I was making jokes to myself, similar to the um the knight in uh Monty Python, like you just win die. First yeah. you're stabbed, like then you come back, and then something else happens, and you're there you are again. Yeah, yeah, it was it, great. It was. I was like, I was like, I live with this stab through my my abdomen, and they're like, yeah, this you're a hero, you know. So by the way, uh, Rob Deere, who's uh, what's his name, Eric, something, the guy who played part four, who's Rob Deere. I played James Deere, his brother. We tried to get him. I don't know if you remember, I read a letter from my brother and that's what yeah. like sets me off. Uh, we tried to get him to narrate that, but he was sag and he said he didn't want to do it because he wouldn't get in trouble. I'm like, we don't have to credit you, dude. Just I'm just just talking into your phone. I just want to put it in the film, but he, he wouldn't do it. He uh, thought nobody would care. I'm like, what are you, crazy? Everyone would care. I know, exactly. I mean, like the, the, they, they people would definitely care and people would definitely know. Uh, that would be a big yeah. thing he, for the he film. He told me, uh, he's like, I don't go to conventions because no one cares. I said, Eric. If you went to a convention with Ted White and you got back in your gear and he did, do you know how much money you would sell with those photo ops? Oh yeah. Right? Oh my God. That's four four is my favorite. I don't know about you, but yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I I I, I haven't seen them in such a long time, but I do like four and I loved two. I loved one. So the, the yeah. would you so that was a good question. That was gonna good segue into what I was gonna ask you next, because I was gonna ask you what your favorite Friday thirteenth was. You said four. What's your four. least favorite? It's either Jason goes to hell or Jason X. Yeah. Um, probably Jason X. P- people say Jason X is a funner film, but it was such a joke to me to put him in space, put him in. It looked like he was a mighty Morphin Power Ranger yeah. with that stupid shit on. Right. He looked like a, a bad guy from mighty. And it was just so comical. And it just, you shouldn't have made fun of Jason like that. I didn't like it. And it was a low budget. It looked like it was the sci-fi film. Remember the sci-fi films back on the, back in the oh, day? Yeah. yeah. So that, that I got to say X. Now, who's your favorite Jason? Kane Hodder, man. Oh, yeah. He's my buddy. He's my buddy. Yeah. I hang out with him, and I drink with him at cons and stuff. He'll be at CT Horror Fest, and my table's right across from him. All right. Well, I will definitely see both of you there because I'll definitely yeah. be at that one. I've met Kane Hodder several times, and as you mentioned, I know you – and I'm not, as fr- I'm not friends with him like you are, but I've talked to him for a long time. The guy is such a great guy, and I saw that documentary on him and how he got burned up and everything. And he was so, bullied? Yes. Yeah, that was amazing. That was, what a great document. I knew him pretty well. I didn't even know half of that. You know? Yeah, I, I didn't know any of that until I saw a documentary. It was like, what? Well, did, did, did you see the Steve Dash documentary we did? No, I have oh, to I check. See it, man. I'll send you a link. We did Please. a Steve Dash. We interviewed Kane. We interviewed CJ Graham. 
we interviewed a whole different bunch of people because you know steve passed away unfortunately right after we shot vengeance one yeah um and it would meant a lot to us i'm like oh we gotta do a, a thing we have his son on there it, it was pretty good it's, it's online i'll send you the link all right no please do that i want to see that I, I would love to watch that i want to talk about uh i heard you mentioning this when i was doing my research your your favorite picture with the friday 13th cast you got a picture with most or all of the jasons yeah man yeah you did some really good research man <laughs> yeah, i'm proud of you dude um Thank you. yeah it's one of my favorite there's so many favorite things i have but i just can't imagine one being so much better than that so it's part two part four part five part six seven eight nine ten and freddie versus jason ken kersinger all in the outfits and kane um knew who I was. And when I walked in the room, they all started chanting my name. And I was like, oh my God, is this even happening? So there's like two pictures I, I bought paid for two where they're choking me and stuff. And then there's there's one where Ted White was looking away. So they redid it. And I got another one where he's looking straight where they, they're like beating me up. So the, in that picture, they're punching me, hitting me, elbowing me. And, I, and I'm like smiling if, if you saw it. And then I got the picture and then I went around to all of them and had them all sign it. And that one's, and unfortunately, Steve and now Ted White passed away since then. So for me, it's, it's an all, I wish Brooker, I, I have the part three shadow box right here. I wish Brooker yeah. was alive then too, because that would have been great. Yeah. What, what's your favorite look? What's Jason? Got to be seven. Kane Hodder with the, yeah. the face. That's why I did Rosebud and the mask. But after that, three and four is pretty close. Yeah. All right. So I know that you, your next movie is not going to be a fan film. But no. do you have any plans of going, not Friday 13th, but maybe another franchise doing a fan film? For me, I think my favorite horror movie growing up was Phantasm. I loved the tall man, the ball, Reggie. Bro, I always said if I was going to do another fan film, which I'm not because the money is insane, yeah. I wanted to do Jason Brooks as the tall man oh. and and because he would be a perfect tall man. And to do Phantasm. I met them all. I'm 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 gonna next week I'm selling my sphere. I have the ball signed by all of them, the part two sphere. Yep. Uh, or part part one sphere. Uh I met them all except the tall man in Massachusetts a couple of years ago. Phantasm, yeah. I have the box set, is one of my favorites of all time. And if I ever was gonna do a fan film again, I would one hundred percent do it as Phantasm. Yeah. Now that I mean, is... Reggie would be tough. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, here's what I mean. I don't know if you know this story. I wanted to interview Reggie. And his wife kept on saying, oh, yeah, we'll do it. And then she kept on canceling. So I thought she was blowing me off. And I'm like, what's going on? So finally she goes, all right, Rich, we can do the interview. My friend uh, who edits this show, he wanted to be a part of it. I'm like, yeah, come on. So we co-hosted uh, an interview. We got him on there. And most of the time she's like, she's interviewing, or I'm interviewing him. And she's, remember this, Reggie? Come on, remember? And she's answering. I said, boy, she's really, uh, she's over managing him. What's going on here? And I didn't find out until after that he has, is it Alzheimer's, dementia, or? and ms right oh, and parkinson's parkinson's sorry. that's a parkinson's yeah so i did not realize because she didn't mention that at the time and i said boy she's really like just let let the man talk let him i mean he knows what because i met him the first time i met them was 1990 the fangoria convention wow. and i met them in new york too i mean sorry uh in rock and shock and i have a picture where i can i'll send these pictures to you too where i met the whole cast and crew i have a picture where it's like the funeral is about to begin sir he has his hand on my shoulder yeah okay okay where i'm jody awesome. yeah yeah so i i met them and uh, him at rock and shock too was the last time i saw reggie yeah and reggie i remember i don't know if he was like that or if he had the time but he takes the time to talk to everybody he had his own table when i was there and he was talking to my brother and i for about 25 minutes about anything and everything and then 
I said, all right, well, I'll let you. He goes, no, no, come on, come on. So he was like, actually, he didn't want me to leave. He's like, we were talking yeah. about all these different things he's done. And Same with me. he told me about the cars. I said, I said, well, he still have that car. He said, actually, every film is a different version of that car. By the way, that car sold for the most money ever for yep. any refurbished car in the history of the world. Not yep. that car, but you know that make and model. But yep. he, so every time he, the what's his name, would sell it to make money to make another one, and then he'd somehow have to find a, another one of those cars. Yeah, um, the Barracuda, the Cuda, the Barracuda, which... the, the 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 Barracuda um, uh, convertible, yep. which is even more rare. Yeah, did you watch Phantasm Five? That was the last one, right? Yeah, Ravenger yeah. wasn't that good, but it it was. You know, it's funny because I didn't like it the first time I saw it, and then I saw it again, and I after I realized what it was because I'm sure you know it was originally it's supposed to be a, a mini series, a YouTube mini series or something like that, but then they ended up turning it into a movie. So first time I didn't like it, but then I went back and I interviewed Don Cody, the one who played in the in the movie, and I I, I enjoy it more. It's I, I agree with you. It's not great, yeah. but. It, it, was, it wasn't as bad as I originally thought. I, I honestly, and this is not uh, cocky or anything. I really feel if we did an Indiegogo and we raised like 70 to a hundred grand that we could definitely make a film better than Ravager oh. for, for a fan film. I really think so. And I feel bad because Don Coscarelli is awesome. And it's just that that five was really low budget. You could tell, you could just yeah. tell when you watch. Oh it. no. And you know what? And I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. I know you can because I've seen your work. You Thank could you. definitely, like I said, you you're you make me want to go back and just rewatch all the Friday Thirteenth back to back because that's how much that like I just, I loved your movies and how much I got into them watching them. Thank so. you, thank you. It means a lot, man. When fans like you come, like when you hit me up, hey, I'm coming to the thing, and that that just means everything because I'm because yeah. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, you know, like we don't we don't make money on these things, you know. So the fa- fact that fans love it for that is is great, and your support was great. That picture is great too, me stabbing you. Yes. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, you know what? See, I, I love this is what I love about going to the conventions because I meet so many people who I grew up watching, and most of them, for the most part, are great people. And I said, you know, it's so great to see these people that I watched for years, and all of a sudden you're you're even better in person. I want to talk about one person that you and I both met. I have my story, and I know you have your story. I heard it was a joy to meet Linda Blair. <laughs> Did I tell you that or did you see it in an yeah, interview? I, I was doing my research. <laughs> you man, you're so good, dude. You must have watched 50 interviews. Um, I, I did a lot. <laughs> yeah, you are good. She, uh, I, the funny thing is, I, before we go further, have you, you have a story about her also? Yeah. Okay. Because when I told my story to multiple people, I don't know anybody who didn't say the same thing I said. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I think it was Rock and Shock the first time. And I went there and I was in line and I was like maybe 10 people out. Um, and I saw her like with her manager and, and she was just like, how much fucking, they better pay fucking cash. And I'm not fucking doing credit cards and no, 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 no. You, you got to get the right fucking money and tell them not to fucking touch me. I mean, we can hear her. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's like in the, you know, how those conventions are like, yeah. I can hear her. And then she's like, yeah, this is how much fucking longer. This, and I, I was like, man, fuck this. And I had the box set, um, the tin set that had the crab walk, the real nice one that came out a bunch of years yeah. ago. Um, so I had that one and I got out of line and then I went again, the last year of rock and shock, I think she was there and Kane, I was at Kane's table. Cause I'll sit with him and hang out with him. And he was right next to her. And I'm like, Oh, let me, let me get in line. So I had the box set and I got back in line and man, there was a kid there and the kid was like, Oh, it's my favorite movie. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, can I get a picture? And she's like, did you pay? She's like, no, it's, it's money per person, per kid, per <sighs> nah, nah, nah. Then the, the kid was all sad. And she's like, I'm not signing it. And the kid turned away all crying with the, the parent. I, 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 if it was a dude, I probably would have punched her. Wow. And, and I was just like, what? 
And I just, me and another guy got out of line and I, I just so dis, I'm like, honey, you don't do a lot of things. This is like your bread maker right here. You I know. know? Like, and the way she treated me, I mean, I didn't, she's always had a puss on her face. She's always just yeah. miserable. Yeah. So I would, I want to hear your story. Right. Well, first time I met her, do you remember Spooky World? This was goes back to years ago, Berlin Mass. The first time I met her, I was in radio years ago and she did a bumper for me. It's like, and it was, she was okay. She was like, oh yeah, you're listening to Rich Sear. He really makes my head spin and things like that. So it's okay. But then I saw her at Rock and Shock. I saw her at Chiller and she was just like how you described her. And she goes, I don't want to talk about the exorcist. I only want to talk about my, um, what I'm doing with the animals. I said, but and I'm saying to myself, nobody really cares what you do. To the animal. It, yeah. It's an honorable thing. We're happy you do that. But people come here to talk about the exorcist because that's what you're known for. And she refused to talk about anything. You want to buy my calendar? You want to, like, no, I don't want to buy your calendar. So I, that happened twice. And I said, I never even attempted to try and talk to her again because I saw exactly what you were seeing. And I yeah. said, I don't really care. So the, it was weird. The first time I met her, she was actually somewhat decent. This was, I want to say, mid early 90s may i don't know what happened over the last couple of years because she's just bitter and she's like you said she's all about money and yeah. she just doesn't want, no i don't want to talk about the exorcist and it's like nobody really cares about you're at a horror convention to talk about the movies you're known for right yeah and and, and you make no other movies so like know, what are exactly. you talking about you know like you make nothing off any other movies this is your bread and butter just smile bear the two days make your 20 grand you yep. know what I'm saying? And and go home. I, I, I she was so when, when she was crappy to the kid too, I was just like, the kid was so devastated, you yeah, know? And I was just like, you're just a piece of shit, you know? And, and I remember getting out of line and the manager's like, no, no, we'll get you. I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, and I'm like you, I'm never, it's my favorite horror movie. Yeah. And I'm never, ever, ever going to get her autograph because it's, I, listen, I've been there too. And I, I think I'm good with fans. And the fact that it's not even like, she's like, a lister and she can't go to eat or she can't go to a movie that i get like you know people want to live their lives you've come to this convention to sign for fans i don't yeah. get the attitude that makes no, no sense. exactly if you don't want to do it you, you're nobody put a gun to your head to say you have to be at this convention people right. usually do it because they want to be there so just don't go if you don't want to talk to anybody you don't want to talk about that then stay home don't right. go there and just you know disappoint people that grew up watching you and and even kids that are just getting to know you that's why it was funny. It's very ironic, I guess. The, one of the times I saw her, she came. They came out with a movie called The Blair Bitch Project, and it was starring her. Yeah, it was like a spoof, right? Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing too is, uh, what was the other one in Massachusetts or New Hampshire? Scarefest or Scarecon? That one I'm not sure about. I know in Berlin, Mass, and it went to Foxborough was Spooky World, and I went there several times. I don't even know if they have it anymore. But There's that's right. Scarecon went away. That was one up that area too. Okay, so I, I never went to that one, but I used to go to some of the other conventions in that area. Yeah. Like I said, now it's it was Fangoria, then I went to Chiller, then Rock and Shock, Spooky World. So I tried. I actually went to a couple in Texas when I was in that area at the time. It was you got to uh, go to Monster Mania, bro? It's the best one. In I my know. Opinion. Well, you know what? I think. Yeah. And now she told me it's next weekend. I think I'm gonna have to rearrange my schedule. <laughs> you got to get tickets though. So I don't. Know. I think there's still tickets online. But yeah, I'll find out. Um, but 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 she not only what me and you said. I've seen her cancel like the Scarecon Monster Mania. She's canceled a lot where people stop asking her to come because she's really not anywhere anymore. And, and you know, it's funny. You're right. I haven't seen her in a couple of years. And 
I really, I probably was because I didn't even care. I'm like, who cares if she's there or not? <laughs> yeah, which is so crazy because I mean, I love it. People talk about like, I'm, oh, this film, that film. You have no idea. And people, first of all, people were a lot more religious back then. Number one, yeah. And number two, and people throwing up in the theaters, passing out, going to see their priest. It was like what the Jaws effect had on people going to the water. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, you can't make that impact anymore. I don't think. Well, it's funny because my seventh grade teacher told me that her first job was working at a driving, passing out smelling salts to people that were passing out in, at the drive-in for wow. watching The Exorcist. Yeah. Now, as much as like, I don't know, Terrifier is phenomenal, right? Yeah. No one's going to pass. They said people were throwing up maybe, but no yeah. one's going to pass out or go home and then question their faith. And like, it really had an impact on their life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. You can't do that. The only thing that was close to that was probably um, um, the Blair Witch. When, yeah. you, when they tried to sell it, that it really was found footage, right? That was yeah. kind of a genius marketing thing. Yeah, because yeah, that was like a, that was nineteen ninety nine, so it was like the start of social media, and that's when they started. They had a, a genius campaign, genius. like, and then people were sending search parties to help look for the, these people. Yeah. The movie was done very well. That movie cost them like twenty seven grand and yeah. made like. Uh, 200 million or whatever the fuck it was amazing dude amazing yeah. i like there was a, i remember for some reason i just remember this joke so clearly chris rock was hosting some award show around that time and he goes like this and hey, they say it cost twenty seven thousand dollars to make blair witch he goes somebody else has twenty six thousand five hundred dollars in your pocket right now because <laughs> <laughs> where'd the rest of it go <laughs> That's the truth i mean i mean friday 13th one was five hundred thousand, and it made 59 million something wow. like that yeah so that, that's yeah that was a, that was like i love that movie and it's just like i remember when it came out was it 1980 or 81 somewhere around there uh, 79 is one I think, oh 79 right? okay yeah yeah well because I, I definitely remember seeing that in the theaters i said these are one of the movies my father's like eh, my kids can handle it let's yeah. give them tickets i was 11 years old at that time that's the other thing too i i told the stories i used to sneak in to see friday 13th tell me it's not it's so different today back in the day like you to get by that ticket guy Number one, which was hard. Like they really checked your age. And the yeah. second of me, they used to send people in the theaters all the time with the flashlights going up and down looking for they yep. don't do any of that anymore. Like it's no. so easy for a kid to sneak in. Half the time the person isn't even there or they don't even care anymore. It's so different. Yeah, I was gonna say that because now you can just buy it online and there's nobody usually checking yeah. your phone or anything. Just yeah. like we used to we used to I used to go and remember that you used to get the paper and it would have the newspaper times in it? Yeah. Yeah. So I would go and I'd be like, hey, mom, because my mom would take me, you know, I was little. And I'd be like, hey, me and Brian, my buddy, he loved horror too. I'm like, we're going to go watch and we'd find a movie. So like, I remember part seven was like Mac and me or something like the same time, like 10 minutes different, you know? So like, mom, we're going to go see Mac and me. So we'd buy the tickets for Mac and me. We'd go in and then we'd come out, you know, and look around and run back in to see Friday the 13th. Nobody, they don't do that anymore. The funniest one time I snuck into a movie. I can't remember which one it was, but I was the only one in the theater. And I guess sometimes they don't show the movie if nobody bought a ticket. So I had to go out and say, for some reason, I don't think that movie, the projection isn't on. Okay, I'll look into it. And they started the movie, but I don't think they were going to start it because nobody bought a ticket. I was oh, like, I'm just that sitting there sense. waiting. <laughs> that, what movie was it? Do you remember? I can't remember now. This oh, was a, a, while, a long time ago. And I just said, oh, you know, nobody's looking. Let me just sneak into this movie. And yeah. There's, there's nothing well, better than watching a horror movie with fans because the reactions, you know? Yeah. Just makes well, it so much better. I, I remember watching uh, the. To me, the newer movies that are just as scary. The Conjuring's up there. It's probably in my top five. Yes, that movie was scary as shit. I remember watching the theater. Like that was that was a great movie. Yeah, no, it definitely was. And good thing is, um, I because I love, I love the paranormal as well. And I mean, I think ninety five percent of it is bullshit. But that's another. So that's another interview. But 
Um, I actually had a chance to sleep at the Conjuring House for the weekend, and I got to stay there. I have pictures of it. But I, I interviewed the daughter that that movie was based on. It, it was called, um, her name is Andrea Perrin. It was the Perrin family that the movie was based on. So I got a chance to interview her and talk about the movie and what really happened and this and that. Yeah. Really interesting story. And even if you don't believe in the paranormal, the house is such a great history and such, it's so historic and so, it's, it's a great place just to visit. I went to the Warrens on Halloween a bunch of years back. Yep. And saw the Annabelle doll and all that. I think it was like $250 for a ticket or something like that. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. did you go there when they were still alive or no? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? It, was, okay. it was in what, Milford? No, it's on, oh my God, Monroe. Monroe, sorry. Yeah, Monroe. I always mix the M's up. <laughs> Monroe. But yeah, yeah, I went there and they like, don't, and they're like, don't touch the doll. My buddy's like, did you touch the glass? I'm like, bro, I really don't believe in it, but what if you know what i'm saying what if i touch this goddamn glass and this fucking thing's after me for the rest of my life you know i'm not doing it <laughs> exactly it's just that that one half of a yeah. thing of doubt like half percent of doubt i'd yeah. rather I, I live with it well it's funny because i used to go over their house in the 90s and this is before the, i mean they were known as paranormal investigators but they really weren't like after the contract came out forget it but it was 25 dollars a person you had to bring at least four people so they made 100 bucks and we got a chance my friends and i got a chance to go in there and see the animal doll and all this stuff and it was funny because Ed, even back then i said ed's all about the money lorraine was so nice so gracious she's going on and on answering questions also ed's like eh, got a burger in the grill all right gotta go yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought they were I, I always said that like it, i wish ed or I'm, I'm sure he would be happy if he lived long enough to see what they are now because he didn't get a chance to live that long to see like how popular they became with the conjuring movie. She was in the first one and she lived a little bit. You saw her, right? When they pull away from them on stage, she's in the front row right there. Yeah. 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 I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is such a nice or was such a nice, gracious person. She is like, Oh, I remember one time I called her up. So I wanted to get another, I wanted to bring some more friends to her house. And she goes, it was around 11 o'clock at night. And I said, she goes, is this rich? I said, how'd you know? She goes, this long before caller ID. She goes, every time I get in the shower, you decide to call. I said, hey, Lorraine, people are going to start talking about us. And she goes, ha, 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 honey, I love you. Like, she's so nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she was a pretty lady even at the end there. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. You know, really quick, I forgot about this. I want to talk, I want to go back to, because The Exorcist is one of my favorite movies. Did you hear that story that there was a real serial killer in that movie? There was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, when they're doing the MRI. Yeah. One, of, one of the things, yeah, he ended up killing his girlfriend or something, or a bunch of people, a bunch of people, and they caught him like three people or something. I think he was, I think he was caught for one, but there's, um, there's also plenty of evidence that he killed other people. I'm not sure if it's, um, it yeah, yeah, that's what it is. He, there's speculation that he killed others, yeah, yeah, and that's crazy. Well, we talked about Linda Blair. There's another actor that I want to talk about that you, um, I do my research with you, and I'm surprised by this because I've heard so many nice stories about him, Kevin Bacon. He won't talk about Friday the 13th at all. He won't sign anything. That's what I hear. Um, that, that's what I heard from everybody, that he won't sign anything. Like, I heard if you contact his manager, one of my buddies said, he'll he'll if you send the picture, he just signs it, but he won't sign his character. And Come it's on. like 100 bucks or something like that. No but way. I don't even know if that's true. I've never seen any. But yeah. did you watch the commercial last year with him? I'm, no, I'm not sure. Dude, he did a commercial of every movie that he was in. Yep. So he did this commercial. I think it was like a internet commercial or something like that and you gotta look it up and so he was in the footloose gear he was in everything he was friday 13th he had the arrow coming out of his chest okay 
and and nobody believes it. Like, well, because he never talks about it, he's almost ashamed of it, kind of thing. Which I'll find weird. the commercial and I'll send it to you. It's like we all couldn't believe it. We're like, wow, he actually did that. I'm sure it wasn't his idea, but still, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm surprised. Like, I mean, everybody had like Johnny Depp would, in the Nightmare on Elm Street. Who cares? People had their start, and right. I think it'd be cool to be in a movie like that. Just, I'm surprised because right. I, I know people. There's, he has a house in Connecticut, and one of my where I used to work, uh, one of my cashiers lived not too far from them, and she used to talk to them. She said they were like nicest people in the world. So I'm surprised that like he was, he would be like that about Friday Thirteenth. But um, I guess everybody has something that. <laughs> look, look, look at um, um, oh my god. She just won the, the the Grammy. What's her name? Lori Strode. What's her name? Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. She shit on Halloween for a long time too, yes. until recently. I so, know. Same with um, what's her name that played the mother in Friday Thirteenth? She goes, oh, I only did that because I needed a car payment and it was five hundred dollars. I needed to buy a car and it was five hundred dollars. And they shit on it. Then when they get older, they realize like how much the franchise is, how much money it makes, and they kind of change their tune. But but um, Jamie Lee Curtis, did you see when Daniel Harris and uh, Taylor Scout Compton went to the two thousand eighteen the forty year reunion? Yeah. And they they she didn't know who they were. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about said, well, that, but I do remember that. Yeah, there's a big article. They talked about it. Danielle, because Danielle and Taylor Scott Compton have like a podcast together. Yeah. And and they talked about it. They said that she said, We I don't even know who you are. And we're like, well, we're from the Rob Zombie one and then and she's like, Whatever. She's like, wow. It doesn't count to me. She was like shitty to him. Fellow actors at the 40 year reunion. Wow, that's surprising because it's funny because I, I didn't see the speech by Reddit where she won for everywhere, everything all at once. Yeah. And she was saying, she goes, you know, I was I'm a, maybe a Nepo baby, but if I didn't get this, I never would have done Halloween. And she sounded so grateful for getting that role because I think I want to say, um, I can't remember her name, it was something like Petticoat Junction, like a show, something like that. And she she was couldn't get that. But because of that, she was able to get Halloween. She was so grateful for working with John Carpenter. This was just recently. So like right. you said, it's funny. The older you get, the more you look back and reflect and say, oh, you know what? It was pretty good. Because she realizes it's her legacy. Yes. So exactly. that's what it is. She, she doesn't want to tarnish her legacy. Yeah. Because yeah. earlier she didn't. Who thinks that Halloween or Friday the 13th is going to be this big thing? They don't think, it. think. Back then, horror films was like you were a subpar actor, you know? So that's yeah. how they acted like, oh, we're better than this. Like, no, no, you're not better than the people. No, exactly. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised by that, but yeah, she's, she's I'm always not surprised. Be... I mean, her mother's Janet Lee, her dad's what, Tony Curtis? Tony Curtis, yeah. Yeah, so she grew up royalty, you yeah. know? But Janet yeah. Lee was in Psycho, which was basically yeah. another low-budget horror movie. That was like that era's uh, yeah. Halloween. Did you see how they put the car in H2O? Yes. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what's your, um for you, what's your favorite Halloween movie? Do you... One. Yes, without a doubt. Without that is a doubt. definitely... I did I like, like Halloween too. too. I like two. Yeah, no, me too. That was like that. Was, it's funny because I was always down on sequels even back then. But that Halloween two and even Jaws two around because Jaws two came out in seventy eight. They were both around, and I was like, you know what? These are actually pretty good. Like normally, yeah, I, I would just. I give the argument Halloween two might be scarier than Halloween one. I just I, just her running through the hospital and the fact that no one's in the hospital. You're like, where the hell is everybody? Yeah. You know that, that that was that was scary for me. Halloween two, and then after that, it gets you know to Halloween four probably. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny. Is I, I mean, I know why they did it because I guess he had a contract. He was going to release a movie every year. And then it was originally called season of the witch, but then Halloween became so popular. They just added that to it. I like that movie, even though it has nothing to do with it. And it really wasn't meant to have anything to do with it, but I love the whole shamrock mass and three more days to Halloween. Yeah, that's good. Silver, silver shamrock. When I was a kid, dude, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Buying a mask and having it kill you, you know, like, and, and I'm not, I don't, 
understand why people are so mad about it because it's not like Halloween 5. I mean, Friday 13th 5. So Friday 13th 5 lied to you and you, they sold it. It was Jason. They put a yeah. mask on a guy that wasn't. So that pissed me the F off, man. Nice. I, I, I have every mask ever. And I was not. That was the last mask I got with their autographs. But three never lied to you about Michael. It was always this story. So it is what yeah. it is. I mean, like like everybody says, it's the truth. If you just called the season of the witch, it'd probably be in people's favorites. Yeah. No, I still love And Tom Atkins is hilarious. I, I, man, he's, dude. He's grabbing girls' asses and stuff. He's like a total stud. Yeah. What my favorite line from that movie is like, so where are you going to sleep? Where do you want me to sleep? <laughs> he just met her like yeah. half minute or half hour ago. He's like the Magnum PI of horror, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was funny is I was talking about Tom Atkins with Michael Levy because he did the Halloween fan films. And I said, I love, he has like some of the most iconic lines. Like what's the other movie where it's like, I have good news and I have bad news. Good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. I, I think the girl says what's the bad news, right? And then oh, yeah, he says yeah. She's, she's on the staircase, right? What, what's yeah. the bad news? They're dead. And then the bus opens and they all come out all messed up. I, I hung out with um Jason Lively. Okay. Who uh, played the, the main character in that, who was Russ in National Lampoon's European Vacation. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't know that either. So I went to Scarecon, which is that other one I was telling you about. And there was VIP. And I'm sitting there with me, Kane, Felissa Rose. And then he was there. He was smoking weed in the bathroom. I remember it. <laughs> and and uh, I was like, hey, what's going on, man? I'm like, yeah, you played Russ and whatever. And then I had him sign the Night of the Creeps for me. He had a special edition. He goes, I got one better. He goes, this one's rarely released. Put this insert in. I'll sign this one, too. And he gave it to me. It was like wow. super rare edition. And then he was talking about National Lampoons. I'm like, did you did you end up banging the, the French girl from National Lampoons when the bell went off? And he's like, no, no. He's like, but Dan Aykroyd was trying to get with her and Chevy Chase told me to go for it. And then he's like, yeah, you know my sister. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, my sister's Blake Lively. Wow, I didn't, like, know. I didn't know that. And wow. then I was like, oh, what? And she just came out with that movie, The Reef at that point, right? Yeah. The yep. shark movie, and yeah. then she's she's married to what's his name? Um, um Ryan Ryan Reynolds. Um, Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Yeah. So I, said, I said, hey, let me ask a question: Is Ryan Deadpool? I go, Ryan Reynolds. Is he as cool as he says? Is as he seems, or is he like really just a dick? And he goes, bro, I wanted to hate him, but he's real cool. <laughs> he's, he seems <laughs> that, like it. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is because I, yeah. I I'm for me I'm so superheroed out. I'm but the only superhero movies I will still go see are Deadpool's. I think they're hilarious. Now and, with Wolverine, I never thought, because yeah. he said, how can yeah. I ever top Logan? Which I, you got to have that as the best, one of the best superhero movies of all time. You know, and I agree. How do you top Logan? He's like, oh, I don't want to come back. And, and and plus, when when do you put him as? Because he's not jacked like he was anymore. Yeah. So like, how do you make him look like, you know, he was, it made sense in that movie because he was rotting and he was getting sick, you know? Yeah. So, but, but them two together is going to be great. Oh yeah, no, I I agree with you. When I saw Logan, I said this because it's not even really a, a superhero movie. It's more of a character study, and that's what yes. I loved about it. Yeah, it, it was great, and the fact that the metal's killing him. What made him strong is killing him, and then you know Professor X is is like you know killing the world by accident. He has Alzheimer's. What a scary thing! A guy, the strongest mind in the world, has Alzheimer's. Yeah. You know that 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 was such a great. The little girl was great. You know that the girl for um, Stranger Things Eleven tried out for that. She was second. She didn't get it to that girl. Oh wow! No, I didn't know that. Yeah, but it's hard to imagine somebody after her because she seemed so ferocious, you know? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny. Speaking of people that should that were trying out or auditioning for movies, um, Brad Pitt auditioned for Michael in Phantasm 2, and he didn't get it. I didn't know that. Yep. Dude, you're laying knowledge on me. Yeah. The funny thing is they got rid of uh, his real name is Michael whatever from part yeah, one. Yeah, Baldwin. Michael Baldwin. That's his name? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So and they didn't want him for two because they remember two was a three million dollar budget. Yes. Or two, two or three million dollar budget was the biggest up there. Ever. Yeah, in Phantasm, and you could tell because that, that's one of my favorite movies, Phantasm too. But the fact that Michael wasn't in it, they said you have to have the dealers will give you the money, but you have to have one of our studio actors because it's like you're juiced in, kind of. Yes. So, so he he got it, but I didn't know that Brad Pitt tried it out for it. Wow, yeah, he tried it. He didn't. He didn't get it. It's funny because uh, when I was interviewing Reggie, he said he goes, they wanted the franchise, they loved everything about it, but they wanted, they made everybody audition for the roles again. They said they didn't want, they wanted the movie or the franchise, but they didn't want any of the actors at first. And Michael's the only one, well, actually, was Jody wasn't that either, was he? I don't think in that one. Reggie was. No, yeah, I don't think so. It was just, but yeah, but Reggie's the, the ice cream man. He was like the, yeah. the surprise hit from those movies. The guy is just hilarious. I, I love how in one, the he walked by the ice cream man and then turned and looked at the camera and you thought that that was him being creepy but it turns out that he doesn't like the cold yes and that I was never knew that. that was so great the way they did that yeah yeah I, it's funny because i didn't know that until years later when i was either watching uh making on it or something but yeah i said i thought the same too it's like he just stops stares and like that and like oh he just he can't stand the cold because reggie opened the doors for the ice cream right then yeah, yeah. and then the tuning fork yep which is basically like those little pillars that send you in between the worlds you know yeah Great and I, I can't get that song when jody and reggie sing that song i can never get that song out of my head do, do, do. just yeah. sitting here at midnight do, do, do. <laughs> he, he sings again later like in, in four or five to a check i think too yeah 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 because i didn't realize the guy that played jody was in a band and so he used to write write music so that he they said he wrote that music for that movie like yeah just they said they just kind of came up with it right there right something like yeah, that. yeah 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 yeah, amazing. Yeah, Reggie. Reggie is impossible to, to recreate. No, definitely. That's that's why I, I mentioned to him. I said they can't. I said he and the tall man. There's no way they can ever. Well, not you. You mentioned a good replacement. Like if you end up doing that, I could really picture that. I can see Jason Brooks doing it because it's kind yeah. of his demeanor. You know, yeah. I would even shave his head like that and everything, make it look just like the the that man, the old man, the tall man. So yeah. I can I can see him doing it. Um, everybody else would be easy. The hardest casting would be Reggie. Yes, exactly. It'd be red. And, and do you do the same like balding, long haired hippie look, or do you go different? Or because that's going to be hard to find too, you know? I know. Nobody holds no... on to those hairstyles anymore. You know, no, it, people go bald like, you know, they shave their head like me. They don't hold on to the eight foot ponytail with no hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's the only one I know that can make that look cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still, I love how he still pulled chicks, you know, no matter what. Oh, yeah. Which one was it with Rocky? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Rocky. They put her in Phantasm at the end. At the end yeah, of Phantasm. Yeah. You saw it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I love those movies. Well, uh, we were talking about some of the cast members that you met for Friday the 13th. I did have a chance to meet Betsy Palmer. I didn't really have a good or bad experience with her. It was so quick. She was mostly like, oh, hi, how's it going? And then, like, just basically, like, take the picture and go. She really didn't want to talk that much. She wasn't mean, but there was somebody that I met, and it wasn't for Friday the 13th, but he was one of the nicest, most down-earth people. It was Chris McGlover. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Do you, um, do you uh, know where Real Artways is in Hartford? No. All right. So Real Artways is a great movie theater. They have an art studio, not art studio, an art gallery in one area. They have a movie theater that shows independent movies, documentaries, foreign movies, and um, they have bands there. It's a great place. It's in Hartford and Arbor Street. But he was there because um, he came out with a movie, and it was Shakespeare done by people with down syndrome and he was worried that people were going to take it the wrong way and he was making fun of them so he wanted to tour with the movie because he goes i'm not making fun of them i want to give people that would never give somebody like this a chance to do something they were doing shakespeare and it was really good 
And so I was talking to him for a while and he's so um, soft spoken. He's, oh, thank you very much. I really do appreciate this. Thank you very much for coming to my film. He was a cool guy. Yeah, I, I hear good about him. I hear bad about, um, I'm dieting, so forgive me. My brain is gone when I don't have carbs. Um, what's his name? Tommy in part four. What's his name? Oh my God. Now this is where my brain is dying because I can't yeah, remember. He does, he, he does the band stuff. Remember he did the Today Show where he had the angels dancing with him and stuff? He thinks he's Michael Jackson. I Oh, Oh my God. I know. Cause he, he was, um, yeah. Uh, license to drive. Corey, Corey, Corey Feldman. Feldman. That's it. Thank so, you. So, so my buddy, Corey Feldman, you know, he's messed up on drugs. He's a lunatic. So my yeah. buddy, I have the tin box set of, um, Friday 13th. So I probably have like 60 signatures in it. And, um, I was going to go to him, the casino, I was going to give it to my buddy. I'm like, uh, I kind of want to be with it, you know? So he's like, I'll, I'll, whatever, I'll go. We'll do it another time. So he goes and he tells him, cause he, he saw him writing peace and love with a hippie sign, a peace sign sign and then writing peace and love Corey feldman so you know collectors are big on how you sign stuff yeah so he's like hey here's my poster friday 13th i got like 20 people signed it he's like can you please just sign your name and that's it and he's like just my name that's it he goes yeah he he signs it it's my facebook going off he signs it and does the peace symbol and writes peace and love on it dude my buddy like almost attacked him good and like the the it was an original friday 13th part four poster like the big one the 36 by whatever and uh he said his guards had to like get him out of there like he wanted to kill him and he's like what man what's the problem and i'll never have him sign anything because of that what an asshole yeah yeah who's my mind went blank on this one do who's the guy from uh gremlins the he was the kid in gremlins oh he he was kind of a dick too yeah at at, rock and shock yeah. Yes. Okay. That's that. Yeah. He must. I don't know if he was in a shitty mood, but he was an asshole. I oh, said, wow. uh, I, I went up to him and it's funny. I only went up to him because I felt sorry for him because nobody was talking to him. So I said, Oh, what do you, so what are you up to now? You don't care. I said, no, well, it was, it's, it's an independent movie. I said, well, no, I love those kind of movies. Why don't you look it up on Wikipedia? Goodbye. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. So that was probably around the same time. Cause yeah. I don't know if he was there again, but and that movie was hatchet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that director is Hatch so cool. I met him so many times that I wanted him to be on the podcast. He said because he does his own something about he couldn't do it, do my show either. But yeah, Adam I, Green. Yes, he, he, I love he, his I, movies. Adam Green actually didn't direct three. His like buddy did, but he was a producer. Yeah. But but he's in three. What's his name? The guy from uh, Gremlins. But I was with my niece and we met Adam Green. I had one of the claymation dolls made of hatchet. I had Adam Green sign one leg and Kane sign the other. Yep. And then I saw him and I'm like, because my niece Ella just watched Gremlins. And I was like, oh, my niece just watched Gremlins. She's a big fan of you. He's like, yeah. Just like you said, at Rock and Shock. He was like in that middle table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just such a dick. And then, and then somebody else wanted his autograph and he had pre-signed ones that he just threw. So you had to like buy the pre-signed one for like 40 bucks. Instead of watching him sign it and take a photograph and everything, he just threw him out there. He's such an asshole. Wow. Yeah. You know what I learned about Adam Green? He said that everybody was getting so mad at him because on his table, he goes, I don't charge people for photos because I love you. And he was probably like, you know, in jest in a way, but he really wasn't charging people. And he says, no, he wasn't people are getting so pissed off at me because I'm doing that. I said, why should they? He, said, yeah. he was just a, such a great time. I love that TV show that he had. He had, a, it was a, maybe two or three oh. seasons with Dee Snyder, Kane Hodder. Um, I know these are, you're bringing up, you were bringing up Holliston, not- Holliston. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We're bringing I love up things shows. I haven't thought about in a long time. Do you remember what the Kane Hodder one? Where every time I brought up Freddy vs. Jason, he like hit himself with the plate and tried to hang himself and shit. That was good. So I'll give you a funny story off that. I'm with Kane at Monster Mania. I'm at his table and hanging out. I think we're drinking. And a guy came up and he said, "Hey, can you sign this?" And it was a Freddy vs. Jason poster. And he goes, 
I just want to let you know I'm not in this movie. And uh, he goes, no, that's okay. I just want you to sign it. He goes, you sure? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, okay. And then and then he signs it and he goes off. And I, I look at him between me and Kane. I go, I thought you said you're over the whole, because he did an interview. He, I thought he said you're over the whole Freddie vs. Jason thing. He goes, he calls me Petey. He goes, Petey, I lied. <laughs> he's still not over it. <laughs> I thought that was great. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> he should have been. Grudge will not let go. <laughs> he should have been the Jason. I mean, because when you're growing up, you grew up with, with uh, Robert England and you grew up with Kane like during right, that time exactly. and it became really big and that's what you wanted to see fight each other so I don't know why they would change it yeah no I don't understand that either and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would have I don't think I don't think it was because he wanted an astronomical amount of money I'm sure no. he would have done it just to be in the movie no. he seems I, like I, that I know he did hatchet four for 10 percent of what he did hatchet one just yeah. to get it done because Adam wanted it so I, that's how Kane is yeah, you that's know? what I figured. Yeah. You just see, I mean, I've only met him a couple of times, and but he just seems like that talking to him. He's like, and watching a documentary on him, just a down to earth guy. And he, he makes tons of money at the con. So, oh, yeah, affords to, yeah, not do stuff here and there. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a couple of pictures. That's probably where I met you too, there, because if you were at his table, I have a couple of pictures where he's choking me. So, I met him yeah. several times. <laughs> he stopped choking people too because he got sued. Are you serious? Yeah, at Rock and Shock. Somebody, um, he, he would choke. I, the last few I have him, he choked me at Rock and Shock. And then he said, Pete, I don't choke anybody. Anymore. I'm like, Kane, I'm not going to sue you, guy. You know, it's me and you. So he choked me. And then he choked me in another time when he had the part nine, he was breaking my head. Yeah. At Monster Mania. I don't know if you saw that one. And then also, did you see the one where I was the part eight punk guy from New York? Yeah. Was, and I made him do the mask. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he told me to do that Rock and Shock. He, he choked. And, you know, the guy didn't fall or anything. And then all of a sudden, the guy went home and said, oh, my neck hurts, got a lawyer, and then tried to sue him. And you're like, oh, my God, please tell me he didn't win. I I don't know. I thought it's not per. I don't want to ask paint. Oh, yeah. You know, like, hey, would you sell out of court kind of thing? It's none of my business. But that's a pretty shitty move. Oh, it definitely is because yeah, you know, it probably wasn't even the guys. It was probably some lawyer saying, you know what? You probably have a case here. Right. It's it's pathetic that it's like that. I mean. An example like, of, do, do not trespass, but if you trespassed and you fell, you could sue the person. I know. Like, I, what? And yeah. there was um, I, another thing that happened, and I, I thought this was shitty, was this guy broke onto a used car lot, and there were dogs on there. He got bit by the dog. He sued the people because it didn't have a sign that said, beware of dog. You were trying to steal a car in a car lot, yeah. but... I bet you they put the dog down, too. Yeah. Well, you know what's... Yeah. Uh, this isn't funny, but it's... uh. A friend of mine used to work at the theater in Waterbury, a movie theater. It was some um, holiday cinemas now, I think. But uh, or the Apple Cinemas. One? No, no, not milk? that one. The oh. other one used to be Holly Cinemas. Now it's Apple. Um, okay. it's on the other side, where the old Waterbury, the Nautilus Valley Mall used to be in that area. Yep. But he he was used to work there late at night and just tallying up the totals and everything. And he had a dog, and the dog kept on sniffing. He was like, what's going on? He opened up the door. There was two guys with masks on. They shot the dog. They tried to shoot him. What happened was he had a gun. He shot one of them. They ran. They later tried to sue, saying because they he, they got shot, even though they admitted that they just got out of jail a couple months prior and they were for armed robbery, and they admitted they were going in there to rob and kill somebody. So, but they, see, so he even he said, he goes, even though I'm going to win this case, I still have to waste time taking right. money off from work. I have to get a lawyer, waste money on that just to say, all right, you have a right because you have a permit, you have a gun, you can yeah. you can defend yourself. But it's pathetic, yeah. It's things pathetic. like that happen. Yeah, it's pathetic. But yeah, so back to the Hatchet series. I love the Hatchet series. Uh, me too. Oh, you like them? I love them, dude. No, I love them. I, I had I had my knee replaced 
uh, and I was laid up pretty bad and uh, three came out. And I remember you, you had to go to like a special site to like download it, you know, to pay for it. I remember yeah. having to go like online and, and watching it. I was like so excited for a three and it was great. I loved yeah. it. Four, no, no, four I, is not that good, but three was great. Which is the last one they run? Was that the strand? I think uh, Larry ran when he tried to get. Uh... I was there. I was there with a date. Okay. Yeah. It, it was uh, the uh, Victor Crowley. Yes. I, he I, tried I like to get Adam because Adam was just at Rock and Shock right then. Yes. But he couldn't because something happened or something. Yeah, he couldn't make it. So when he did it, he filmed something. He was like, I wish I could be there. Enjoy yeah. the movie. I did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was there, man. I got pictures from that. We've run into each other a hundred times then. I definitely. <laughs> We've been in yeah. the same building many times. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Well, um, I already know just talking to you what the answer is going to be, but I want to get your opinion on this. For What do you think of old school uh, effects compared to CGI? I... I, I... <laughs> I don't know why they don't do it no more. And exactly. and, and it, it's a lost think about like artwork. So like like uh craft uh woodworking, right? So remember like back in the day in like England, you'd have like these chairs with like you know, like naked ladies on them or like if stuff carved into them. Nobody does that anymore. So you really lost that art form. And mm -hmm. I think you've lost the art form for practical effects because you had the Savinis and you had all these guys, and they really have no understudies like that. And and even if you do. You now have the CGI people saying we could do this for 10 grand versus your 30 grand of what you're trying to do. And if we mess up, we could do it 50 more times where if you mess up, we got to do the whole thing again. So yeah. that whole art is lost and that I would never CGI. I mean, there's some CGI scenes in Rosebud for like a blood splatter at certain points that wasn't on where we wanted it. But any of the kills you see in any of our films are all practical done by our practical effects team. Yeah. There's no way you could do an 80s film and, and do a CGI. Well, that's why I was mentioning some besides Greg and Nicotero. I like him. Greg, yeah. Growing up, I loved Rick Baker, Rob Bottin. I mean, just watch John Carpenter's The Thing. How about Thriller? Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 And of course, Tom Savini. Those yeah. three were the, the big three back in the. In the American 80s. Werewolf in London when he changes. Dude, how do you oh beat God. that? No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I love old school effects i mean i'm sure you saw the movie maniac with tom savini yeah, yeah. A weird movie dude <laughs> yeah 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 because they did the thing remake or not remake prequel yeah. um which i thought was really good because they remember they had the the the, um, the guys at the end of the helicopter they played it out pretty good and you saw yeah. how some of the kills happened that you never saw before and mm -hmm. i thought that was great but the fact that they cgi'd it instead of practical affecting i mean that was in what 81 Somewhere around there, yeah. 81, something like yeah. that. And they could do that then. So if you, you think of like an, a, a cell phone, how advanced it got in like 10, 15 years, why couldn't that advance? It's because, of the, you know, nobody puts the money in it and time anymore. You have better materials, better stuff. You can CGI certain things. Like they should be so much better now with that. And they just, they don't. That's why people love Terrifier because it's practical too. Yeah. You know, you know what's fun? I think CGI, well, Gene Siskel from Siskel and Ebert made a great comment years ago. He said one of the last probably one of the last great movies was made in the seventies is because CG before CGI came out. And I'll tell you what he means because I agree with him. Like for me, I think Twister was one of the first movies where basically the whole movie was about, Oh, look at that Twister. Oh, wait, there's a bigger one. Oh, wait, there's a bigger one. The plot to me was horrible, but the, the effects looked cool. And everybody's like, Oh wow, look at that. I'm like, I don't really care about the effects. I'd rather have a great story where the effects don't make the movie, but are part of the movie and play into the movie. And that's why I love like the, the actual real effects because it's just, I don't know, to me, it, like you said, it looks more realistic and maybe cheaper, but I'd rather put the money in. And I love that scene from The Thing, which I'm sure you're a fan of, uh, oh. the, the scene where um, 
goes, where the head starts walking, you got to be fucking Fucking kidding me. me. But the scene where his chest comes out, and Rob Bottin, I guess, like, they did it. And John Carpenter said, he said, it looked like the falls at Caesar's Palace. He goes, we have to do this all over again. He goes, oh, my God. So they had to clean everything up, start it all over again. Yeah. And the the way the neck, they explained the neck with those little strands and how the one strand, like, pusses and bubbles out. They didn't even know that was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? It's just absolutely a miracle. A miracle. And I, I love that scene too. You gotta be fucking kidding me. And the thing's just and they perfect sound for that too. As it fucking runs away. It 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 it's phenomenal. That's why in, in Rosebud we had that when the guy gets degloved. Yeah. He's trying, and then you that was all animatronic. We we had an animatronic and everything. We tried to put it all together. I think it, it works, you know. Oh, it definitely worked. And that's us on a shit budget. I can't yeah. imagine a studio like what you know, getting the best people. I don't understand why they don't do it. I know. Well, I said, I think, unfortunately, it's all about, which is, you know, it's sad because, I mean, you see movies like in the 70s, like the towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure, where you had all these major actors. You can never do that because not only the budget would be too big, but you can't pay all these actors. The budget would be $4 billion just to pay the actors. Back then, it seems like the actors would work for a lot cheaper and they would have a good movie where the effects were really didn't cost as much. It seems like yeah. the, the cost of movies is a lot more now. And that's why I think that They'd rather save money on things like that, which I think is stupid because I'd rather have a good movie that looks a little bit better and spend a little bit more. I agree. Poseidon Adventure was pretty cool, though, because think about it. They built the set with the ship upside down. Yes. Right? That must have been tough, you know? So that was pretty cool. I love that movie. I, I love all those movies. All those, the 70s apocalypse movies, like the Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno. And then back then for me, or back in the 70s, that's when – nature was getting their revenge so you had movies like frogs prophecy or frogs. um day of the animals i loved all yeah. those movies yeah now, you, you talked about earlier i spent on your grave wasn't that shot in connecticut yes kent kent, kent just, connecticut just like part two yes Friday 13th was shot in kent okay yeah i was gonna talk about that yeah because uh yeah. i know they i think they do tours in that area don't they no, not for Friday the 13th. No, it's no it's, it's you know what? i think the there's one that's filmed in new york they have uh, you can stay overnight at uh Crystal Lake, Man, unless it's just not even really Crystal Lake, but well, the, part seven you could stay over, and part six you could stay over. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, part seven's in Alabama, part six is in Georgia. Okay, but no, I, I knew part two was filmed. Uh, I forgot was it. Kent, so, so Kent, Connecticut was the camp. Um, the outside of the beginning house of Adrian is Torrington. The inside of the building is Waterbury. Okay. Yep. I, I didn't realize. I knew I knew Kent was at least one area, but I didn't realize it was filmed because I live in. I grew up in Wilkin and I live in Farmington. I didn't realize it was filmed as close as Waterbury. Just the out in the beginning when Jason, who's not Jason, it's actually a female producer, walks across the street into the water. I just had the guy who wrote the book on my show. You probably saw yeah. it. And uh, they go across the street to kill Alice from part one. The outside is Torrington, but the inside is Waterbury. The outside is no longer there. It's a lot. The inside is now a dentist place. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Well, you. Another great segue. You're really good at this. <laughs> There's somebody else I wanted to talk about. Was uh, my I wanted to talk about the current scene of horror movies. And there's a, a duo that I really like right now. They came out with a bunch of movies recently. Ty West and Mia Goth. Oh, yeah. and the reason I'm bringing up Torrington is because years ago, I saw a movie called The Innkeepers, which was based on a haunted hotel. And they filmed at the Yankee Peddler Inn in Torrington. Oh, wow. and, and I saw X came out. And I said, I didn't recognize his name at first. And then I looked, you know, did some more research. I'm like, oh, it's the same guy that did the innkeepers. Now X, Pearl, now Maxine's coming out. I love their movies. Yeah. I, I thought X was better than Pearl though. But oh, I me too. Our, our acting in Pearl was phenomenal. Yeah. Can't take that away. I just saw Infinity Pool two nights ago. Oh, really? Did you see it? No. no. David Cronenberg's son. 
No, he I did, didn't realize. Mia Goth is in it. And um, I, I Scars, saw the trailer. Yeah, Scarsdale's in it. Not the one that did it, the other one. Yeah. The other brother. Um, it was weird, dude. You want to talk about weird films? That's a super weird film. Is it in yeah. theaters now? Because I remember seeing the trailer for it. it. It was out in theaters, but you can, it's on, what did I watch it on? Uh, I rented it. So wow, it was that quick? Amazon Prime or something? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I think I know what I'll be watching tonight then, because I, I did. I remember seeing it. It's like, oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. Did, but did yeah, I, I, lo- I, I love the uh, X. So different. Yeah. You know? You know what's funny? I did not realize until I saw it twice. I didn't realize the second time I saw it that she played both characters. She was yeah, the old the woman, old, too. I did not realize it. Yeah. And then she plays her and Pearl being young. That was so weird. The, the scarecrow scene. She's like having yes. sex with the scarecrow. Yeah. You're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's a couple other movies that came out that surprised me. One was Barbarian. I thought that was a great movie. It's like two different movies. Yes. Well, the, yeah. the whole first scene, and then like all of a sudden it just cuts to, uh, I forgot what the actor's in, the one who played in Drag Me to Hell. He, he used to be married to uh, Drew Barrymore. He was. Oh, 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 wait. Oh, oh, oh. The guy from uh, Jeepers Creepers. Yes. Justin Long? Yes, that's it. So, like, yeah. when. Yeah. The first time, I mean, I saw it by myself, and I said, I told my wife, I said, you got to see this movie. We saw it the second, or I saw it the second time. She thought that the movie cut off into another movie. She goes, what just happened? I said, no, no, this is the same movie, same but movie. it just it takes a completely different direction. Yeah. Like, Dust, where the hell is this Dust going? Till Dawn. Oh, yes. Same, same thing. It. It's like two different movies put together. Yeah. yeah. But I, I thought uh, Bill Skarsgård's in that one, and yes. I think they did such a great job of making you think that he was the weirdo. You know, and then and people don't understand the movie. They're like, what's the when they went back to like the the 80s and stuff, what was that? I'm like, that's the barbarian. That's what that guy is. He's the barbarian. That's what I know. About. You know what I'm saying? And dude, how about the scene <laughs> when that, that monster dude tours now, the one that played the lady? I was actually a guy yeah. with the boobs hanging out. She goes and gives her the bottle, and there's hair coming out of the nipple. Oh my god, dude. And you gotta <laughs> suck on it. I, there's no way I wouldn't puke. I, I don't care what happened. I know. And <laughs> Justin Long refused to suck on it. She goes, suck on it. No, yeah. no, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, suck on it. Yeah, that that was a great movie. I was talking about twists when oh he's God. like, get, get out of here. And you're like, oh, come on, stop faking. And then all of a sudden that thing comes down the hall. Dude, that, that was crazy movie. Crazy movie. And without giving anything away, that's another ending that I actually did like because I hated that. Like, it just, like, also, I did, I liked it. And I was like, where, where's this going? How's this going to end? And then when it did, I was like, I like that. I like, I like that yeah, ending. Because you thought, I don't even care if I give it away, I guess. But when yeah. they got outside, you thought they were safe, but they weren't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was such a dick, even until oh. the very end, where he's like, "Just yeah. would he would he throw her off the, the building?" Off. I think. Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> she, what she he threw her off, but she landed on the thing, and he got her. I forgot how did it work out. I forgot too. He ended up dying somehow, I think. But then she he, he, killed. Him. He, he died. He threw her off with the monster, but she landed on the monster, right, and didn't yeah. die. And then he yeah. came down, and then the monster got up and bit him or whatever. That's what – okay, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I had to think about it myself. I haven't seen it in a while, but that was one that surprised me. Another one that surprised me, and maybe because I had low expectations for this, was Smile. I was surprised how good that was. Yeah, dude, I like Smile a lot too. It's so weird at the end when, like, that monster thing, like, in her mind was eating her, like, eating her soul, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that was that was crazy. I, I like Smile. Yeah. There, there, are, there are some good movies that are coming out, some good uh, up-and-coming directors well, and – I like you, so you were talking about horror. I, I tell people all the time, horror is hotter now than it's ever been. It's oh, yeah. even more surpassed the 80s. You you have all the video games coming out, you have killer clowns coming out, the video game, Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre, the video game, you had Friday the 13th the game, you have conventions now everywhere. You got movie after movie, you have um uh Blumhouse, you have Ty West, you have so many things going on right now with horror. It's def- definitely the hottest it's ever been. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And you know what, like you said too, back then people were ashamed to admit they were in horror movies. Now they're like, yes, I want to do, I want to be a part of this. Now it's cool and it's fashionable to be in a horror movie yeah. and say, oh yeah, I, I'm going to add this to my credits before people would be ashamed and wouldn't even want to admit. Perfect example is Jamie Lee Curtis. Now yeah. she's proud to be Laurie Strode. Back then, oh, I don't want to talk about that, you know. Right, right, 100%. So, yeah, the it's, funny it's, thing is when I tell people they're going to be in, in a horror movie of mine, the first thing they always ask is how I'm going to die. How am I going to die? They, that's all they care about. They want a cool kill, you know. I think I asked you the same thing too. I said, I want, yeah. I want you to kill me in a movie, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's fun coming up like with Rosebud. I just right here in this seat, I just came up with them. I'm like, how do I kill this person? Okay, I got to be different. You know, this one by hands, but this one by weapon. And you come, it's pretty fun. It's the funnest part of of making the movie for sure. Oh no, definitely. Yeah. Now, for you, what do you? What's your opinion? Because this is like what gets me mad about some movies now because it seems like. They can't think of anything original. They always have to do a reboot, a remake, a redux. Are there any out there? That, we'll stick with horror right now. Are there any of the horror remakes that you do like? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm not one of those guys that hates on remakes and stuff because the only reason why is when you have 12 um, Friday 13s and you have, you know, uh, whatever, 12, you got to do something. You know what I'm saying? So, like, mm -hmm. I, I get it. I agree it's not what it was, but you, you're trying to capture the glory of what it was and you're never going to do that again. Yeah. So you're you're but so so what's the alternative? Make Jason X, right? So then you're like that sucked. So yeah. like I, I you know you do the remake. Um, the best remakes ever of all time, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. Holy shit! I mean, I I think it's better than one. Some people yeah. that love one don't don't but agree with that. But I got Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, the Evil Dead remake, that Hills was Have Eyes remake. Yes. Uh, My Bloody Valentine remake. Those for me are in the top remakes ever. It's besides like the thing counting that or the fly as a remake and all that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But yeah, the, the Evil Dead remake was phenomenal. Yeah. Now they come out. It's like, I think it's supposed to be part of the Evil Dead world, but it's really not the Evil Dead trap. It's another the, book. It's another yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That looked great. I'm taking my mom and my niece to see that. That looked great, dude. I know. I, I feel like they gave away too much in the trailer, but. I, I said the same thing too. It's like when sometimes you see a trailer and you're like, I already know what's. You can almost tell like that's the end right there. All right, yeah. I know the whole movie. Why do I have to go bother seeing it? But I'm gonna see it, and I it, it's definitely gonna be entertaining. Yeah, your mother's with the worms now. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, this is good. Did you know in the remake? Uh, my buddy asked me a trivia question because he knows I'm crazy with movies. In the remake, they had the original locket that um, Ash's girlfriend had in one, and the original grandfather clock that was on the wall were in both movies. No way. And when the door kicks in and they go, we will eat your soul. That's the exact audio from one when really? the girl first turned. Remember, she was like, King of Hearts, Jack of Spades. Remember that? And she like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love yeah, yeah. That was I, you know, I'm so mad. I interviewed her years ago. I was doing a, another podcast and whoever I was working with lost the audio. I'm so mad because I, I and I oh. tried to get in touch with her again. And it's a lot more difficult. But yeah, she was such a fun interview. I was talking. We talked about that scene. But uh, I have a fun Bruce Campbell story I want to tell you. Go ahead. This was 19... I mean, if you go now at a convention, there's no way you can even get near him. The lines are a mile down the... But 1990, before Army of Darkness, this was how great Fangoria was at that time. It was Roddy McDowell, Christopher Lee, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Linnea Quigley, uh, so many other people. But so my friends and I were staying in that hotel over that weekend. So it was around... We were partying at the bar... Around 2.30 in the morning, the elevator opens up, and there's Bruce Campbell, Gunnar Hansen, and Linnea Quigley. So wow. we were just joking around, and I don't know how it came out, but I just said, hey, are there any cool parties? Yeah, just go on the 11th floor. I said, I can go, just tell him you know me. Don't worry about it. He's being sound just the way I'm saying it. I'm not even, like, 
exaggerating. He's just yeah. being so sarcastic. I'm like, oh. so my friends and I go in that floor. There's nothing on there but custodial rooms and no, there's nothing in there. So the next day I saw him. I'll send you the picture of this. The next day I saw him. I said, yeah, hey, Bruce, thanks for the party. So he had his wife or girlfriend. He goes, honey. That's the asshole I was talking about last night. So we have a picture where I'm choking him and he goes, he has a shirt. He goes, Rich, see you at the party. Love Ash. Oh, that's a great story, bro. Yeah. That is a great. Hey, I got a great story for you. He went on a radio talk show and talked about the original cabin, which burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, that in the like right at the base of the fireplace, <clears throat> that they they buried um a cigar box with stuff in it that no one knows about. Dude, oh, wow. my buddy lives in the is it west virginia michigan michigan sorry that's where yep. they shot at michigan yeah that's where they grew up yeah but did they shoot there I, i'm pretty sure they did i i you know what maybe it's been so long maybe i forgot to, I, I, I think it's like tennessee or virginia or something where they shot the cabin okay um uh, i know they're from michigan um so um he went there dude and and he he, he sent me a brick from there i have the brick in here i have the photo i have the video of him taking it and he nice. said he he was almost got shot he went to the base and he fucking dug up and found the cigar box and brought it to Bruce Campbell and opened it and there was movie stills, a cigar, a ring, and something else from the movie that they put in there as mementos. And he goes, oh my god. How crazy is that? That definitely beats my story. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't trying to one-up you. I I I know. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was such a great story. That is. Bruce, have you ever met him? Besides, No, dude. No, I have a diorama that I want to put him on that uh but i don't want to put them so i have all these figures i'll just show it to you if you want i i made this whole thing out of wood and the jason thing and i made every figure ever from this one series and i had jason killing them all so i have autographs from robert england from the scream guys from pinhead from freddie from from um 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 what's the one where he brings the guy back to death with the green serum oh my god what is the reanimator reanimator i got all that and then i have um uh chucky and I, there's a spot that i want to put him but like you said he doesn't come around that often and i, I have to i can't fly with this thing i have to bring it yeah so i want to put him there and have him sign it oh and i have um um what's his name quinn lord um uh trick-or-treat in it too yes yeah wow yeah. That, yeah. that is I'm, very I'm cool quick, yeah no, go ahead I got to bring it to Monster Mania for Quinn Lord's auto. But, uh, so, yeah, I made this in like my garage for like months. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. That's all of them. And then so CJ Graham, that's the CJ Graham version. He signed it. Then Michael Myers signed it. Uh, Terrifier. I got to get Quinn Lord. And they're all in there, all signed. And that's him killing them all. Wow, that, that is very, very cool. Pretty cool, right? I'll, I'll show you better pictures. It's better color when you get away from that light. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny when you were talking about uh, Blake Lively's brother. Uh, I met one of the Michael Myers, and his name is Tony Moran. Yeah, I did not realize that was Aaron Moran's brother. Yeah. Who's so that? I made a comment. I said, "So, how's Aaron doing?" I don't know. I said, "Well, where's she doing it?" I don't care. I don't know, and I don't care. I said, "Okay." It's like he just yeah. had nothing to do with her at all. And then she died, and then yeah. he tried to make a big deal about Ralph. What's his name from the show she was in with? Um, um it was Happy Days, Chachi. Um, Chachi, yeah. She, Chachi, he tried to make a big deal about him talking bad about her. She's been a drug addict and a, a fuck up for like ever. He oh, didn't yeah. even talk to her for like 20, 30 years. Yeah. And then, did you ever hear Tony Moran talk shit about the fans? No, that oh I didn't hear. Oh my god, dude, go look up Tony Moran. Daniel Harris had to like come stick up for him. He's like, "Why the fuck are you gonna pay me money? I was barely in the movie, you know, because he's only the face there for a second." Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and and he's like, you know, people paying money, fucking fans are so fucking stupid. Yada yada yada. He said that on multiple interviews recently, like up to a wow. year ago. Yeah, so a, he was at the first Connecticut Horror Fest. Yeah, or the I second think- one in Waterbury. Yep, I met him at that one. And I also met him the first time I was at Spooky World. That was years ago, and that's when he was just—he didn't want to talk about her at all. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, he really didn't want to talk at all. Like, yeah, I got a picture with him, but that was about it. He just didn't—he wasn't a dick to me, but he was more like just like very curt, very short. Like, okay, yep, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you could tell, you know, it's like again, these people are paying you money. Why would you even say anything? I know. I don't. He's like they're suckers. It. No, they love the film, idiot. They love art. You're an artist. That's basically what it is. If I was only known, like people make fun of uh, Barry Williams, who played Greg Brady. If I was known for only one thing, I would milk that. For, I would love it. Like Reggie from Phantasm. He, I mean, he's done so much more. I mean, he's been in a lot of other movies, but he's always going to be known as Reggie. Plus, and he plus, loved it. Didn't he bang the mom in real life? The Reggie? No, Barry Williams, Greg. Oh, the, uh, I don't know if they bang. They I think they almost—they they hinted that they slept together. They had a relationship. Yeah, Which I she know was they hot. Went out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. The, yeah. He imagine, got that being, Western... imagine being like 17, 18 and sleeping with her. What was she, like 40 then? I know. You know? Yeah. No, she was, she's good. She was good looking. He got yeah. that Westonality treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that was the first movie ever, or first TV series ever to show a couple in their pajamas in the bedroom together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was like a no-no. I know. Yep. And I think they, I, I'm trying to remember if that was the show where they fought over. That. I think, you know, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of something else. My three sons had something similar where they went in different rooms and they're like, at least put us in the same room. So I interviewed uh, the, guy, the kid who played Chips, Danny Livingston. Yeah. And they were talking, we were talking about that. And they said, because uh, when the, the couple got married, is Robbie and Katie. And he's like, no, we got to make it seem a little realistic. So yeah, it was funny, like how uptight they were up until that time. And the honeymooners, they wouldn't show the bedroom. That yep. was a no, no. Like there's so many funny things that you look back at you're like, wow, now they can do anything. Well, all in the families, the first show where you heard a toilet flush. Yes. That's right. You thought it was disgusting. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> but you know what's funny about that is they wouldn't do things like that. Now I think people are so sensitive and so much more offended by everything now than they were oh, back then. It's a joke. Now they, forget it. They're not really offended. They just want to be heard. So they just thank you. You know, I I play the victim. Oh, poor me. Look at this. Give me a break. Go live in a third world country where you're born with like one leg and you know, you got to starve every day to eat, figure out what you're going to do. Like you, it's just a joke. You're making up stuff. Even the cancel culture thing. It's like, it is what it is. Like things happen. That's where the times were back then. You can't punish it for it. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere in every one of our families, somewhere back, somebody's a rapist. Someone's a murderer from, from a hundred generations. Somebody somewhere was, we're related to somebody like that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, I know. And, you know, I never thought of it like this, but I just had the same conversation with somebody the other day because I said, you know, back in the 60s, we had civil rights, we had women's rights. People actually fought for something they wanted. Kids have it so easy today. They're almost like they're bored and they're looking for something to rebel against because there's really nothing to rebel because their life is so damn easy. So now they're like, oh, I'm so offended by the way you said that or what you did. It's like, really? No, you're not. It's a victim mentality. You got yep. girls that go to the gym and they put their phone down and work out and then they'll catch like a guy just glimpsing over at them and they're like, look at this scumbag. Look, I'm like, you have a thong on and working out with your ass doing squats. The guy's human. And you tell me no girls look at guys at the gym. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. It's like, and they look for that and they put it, oh, can you believe this happened to me? Nothing happened to you. You're making it up. You know? I know, yeah, oh. it's ridiculous. I know. I would. So that's a. We could have like a five-hour conversation just about that because that just drives me crazy. But 
like I said, there's so many things that they can't do. They don't put in movies or anything. They're so worried about, but you know, it's like look at look at I spit on your grave. Holy yes, I cow. love, and that's well, we. Yeah. That's another one that I think is a great remake, which is done by the same yeah. guy that did the original. But yeah. the kills in that are more inventive, more creative. The, yeah. the it's such a great movie. The girl's a smoke show too. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I gotta send you. I have a nice picture with her. She was all over me. Somebody even said, "Are you guys dating?" I said, "I wish," but she was just wish, like man. grabbed me and just started. Where did you see her? Well, I'm, I saw her at uh, Chiller a couple years yeah. ago. I gotta go see her. Um, I, but the original girl goes around once in a while too. Yeah, I met her too. You, I met her at Rock and Check. Yeah, it's right. But she's she's almost seventy now, right? Or she's yeah. in her seventies. Yeah, and yeah, she they did. It's it funny. I didn't realize this. I saw it recently, maybe about a year or two ago. It was another, I spit in your grave, sort of like a sequel where it's her daughter that gets killed and she gets, or no, it's her daughter. I don't know. I can't remember the story, but she and her daughter, her daughter from the movie, not a real daughter, but daughter in the movie and that character. And uh, there's a storyline with either somebody gets raped again and they're getting revenge. It's sort of like the same thing, but she's older now. Now she has a daughter and the same thing happens. It's a really, it's it's actually pretty good. Better than I I thought it was going to be. I remember as a kid watching that and being like, wow, this is crazy. And and then the worst part as a guy uh, was when she cut off his his dong like in the in the tub and you saw the blood shoot and you're like oh my god like that movie was like traumatizing bro. Yeah, I don't know same, old... same with Last House on the Left. Oh yeah, no, it's funny because yeah. I don't know how old they was when I saw it. But I remember like my brothers and I would always laugh like, oh baby, bless those hands. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what he says. <laughs> that's right, dude. Yeah, I, I love that movie. That's it's enough. The, the way how she got revenge and they actually another another one they could never put in that movie because remember she kills somebody with special needs like imagine if they did that now in a movie oh, yeah. yeah the guy yeah, oh, yeah. yeah the whole thing the whole movie you couldn't do oh no exactly yeah 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 it's a, it's a, it's just crazy because you could show kids dying people getting murdered but you can't kill a dog you know it's just like it's just so stupid <laughs> you know not that i want anybody to kill a dog but like even if you kill him on the screen oh they killed the dog the dog didn't really goddamn die okay it was an yeah. actor dog the dog's home eating everything's great you know <laughs> meanwhile a person dies they don't care That's they don't care funny that you say that this happened yeah. maybe about two years ago i was watching this movie and two or three people got killed and then the person the same person took a dog and threw it over a bridge i can't believe they did that i said yeah. He just killed three people. Who gives a shit about them? I said, oh my God. So, right. Yeah. All I That's society that now. That's society now where humans have been devalued. Yep. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. 100%. And the, but the dog, which you obviously know they didn't kill a dog in the set, you know? Well, that's the other point. I said, <laughs> you know, this is just a movie. It's not a documentary. It's not real life. I think the dog is okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the people aren't dead either. It's just, but that, um, what was that movie that they did like in, um, like in South America where they didn't, what was that movie? They redid it with the green Inferno, but what was the oh, original? Oh my God. I know it. I mean, I know Eli uh, Roth did green um, Inferno. Something Holocaust. Oh, Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. That, look it up. It's true. No, that director was brought to court to show. Yeah. He had to bring the actors in the show. They weren't really dead because people believed it. Isn't that crazy? I met him at Chiller. I tried oh, to get did. him to do a bumper for my show, but there was a huge language barrier. So you really yeah. couldn't, his, his, um, handler or whatever you want to call it was like no no just say this just say this and i tried to get but we i read the same article it was the girl on the when, who's impaled yeah, look it looks so real yeah and she had to go into court yeah. and say no i'm alive they didn't kill me yeah is he was he is he from brazil or is he italian the director italian italian that's what i thought who spoke very very little english but yeah. that's such that's i always say that that's the original blair witch because it's like the found film footage yeah just, just how about zombie 
Yes, I love full team. Lucio, like, all right, this perfect, another perfect segue, because I love the Italian horror. If you had to pick between Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento, which one would you pick? Because they're completely different. Yeah. Fulci, I think, is more entertaining, but then again, D- I don't know, because I like... Dario Argento, yeah. 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 What, what, um, what's the movie with the girls? They've redone it five times. Um, oh, my God. The one, The Witches? The, yeah. Um, the Coven? Um, no. With, Pretty sure it's him. They, they, we we did the movie like five different times. It's a like real sexual movie. Uh, Who's it? Dario Argento did one a version. Gotta be something with an M. Oh my god, Martyrs you, wasn't that him? Martyrs. That might have been that one. But let me let me IMDb it. I else. did see I did see a version of Martyrs, which is a really good movie. The, well, there's uh, sorry, I gotta look it up. There, no, please. Martyrs. That, I didn't realize that he did it, but I did see one version of Martyrs. There's Martyrs. Damn, there's 2008, there's 2015, there's 2020. I could have sworn the original one was him from the 70s. It but maybe I'm wrong. But, but Dario Genta, I, I'm going to go with him. I feel like he's just... He's more cerebral. Yeah. yeah, cerebral. Great, great way to put it. Yeah. That's, tough one. That's like, what do you like more, Dawn of the Dead or, or, or Day of the Dead? I like Dawn. I love Dawn. Dawn of the Dead. They say yeah. here. I love yeah. and I love the original Dawn of the Dead with just with the zombies in the mall and the pies in the face. Yeah. Tom Savini, it was just yeah. hilarious. Look it at was, the original Day of the Dead. The, the makeup is so shitty. They yeah. rip the head off. You see like the plastic there and foam and shit like that. The blood is horrible. It's like purple. You know? Yeah, they've come yeah, so yeah. far. Yeah. No, it's just um, I. I what would you think of? I'm sure it was, it was like such a like. I'm sort of like what a superhero. Sometimes I'm a little zombified out. Like I'm like, right, too much of the Walking Dead and things like that. But I love like the old like you know, Return of Living. I mean, sort of when Return of Living Dead's a completely different animal. I just love that movie. Send more paramedics. It was just funny, and I love you know. Yeah. Uh, Do you want a party? Remember that yeah. whole soundtrack? Lin- Linnea Quigley naked. Oh You're God, like, yeah. holy shit. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I said I met her first time in 1990, so she was still looking good even back then. I remember yeah. I was like, oh, I that got a, dude I got a nice- that plays the badass. He's another role that you never think he was. And I forgot the guy who plays the spike hair that yeah, yeah. was like trying to hit on. He was like a major part in another movie. You would never guess it was him. That's funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I forgot what it was, but yeah, the, 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 those were great. The, zomb- the, the zombie movies, the day of the dead, dawn of the dead better than day of the dead though. Yeah. Well, no, the reason I brought that up was like, I liked the, uh, the original stuff, like the night of living dead, dawn of the dead, day of the dead, more than all these different ones that are coming out now. I, I don't know. just, Maybe because it's so sad, the market is so saturated with zombie movies. Yeah. It's just me. But when that first came out, it was complete. And that's another one. Night of the Living Dead was a drive-in movie. That was like yeah. we talked about. That really I, wasn't made for indoor. Th- nobody thought it was going to be a big hit. Right. I bet George Romero, I, I, his last con ever was Connecticut Horror Fest. Yep. The one in Torrington when they had it at that, that, that hotel thing once. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't meet him there. I met him at Fang. No, I started met him at uh, Chiller. He was there, and that was the year that I met. Uh, it was the Phantasm crew was there as well. I think yeah. it, was, it was a long time ago. I think, I think the Connecticut Horror Fest. He died six months later. Yeah. So he had stomach cancer. He didn't tell nobody. I didn't realize how big he is. So my mom's from Cuba. So my mom's from Havana, Cuba. So I was talking to him like you're Cuban, right? And he's like, Yeah. I'm like my mom's from Havana, three blocks from the stadium. He's like, Oh, because back then everyone used to watch baseball in Havana. That was a big thing for them. So he's, he knew the area, and he told me he was from Santiago, and we he stood. He's still he was a big dude. I didn't realize how big he was. But he was sick then. He never told nobody. Never knew. Wow. And he yeah. was. He, I met him when he was. He was. He was such a nice guy. Again, just very down to earth. Talked to me for a little while. Took pictures with me. So, 
I'm glad I got a chance to meet him because I, I yeah. love like I mean just even like Creep Show. That's just another great movie wow. that he did together. Yeah, I like I, Creep Show one or two. I'm a two guy. Really? I, yeah. I haven't seen two in such a long time. I'm a huge fan of one. I love yeah. the Adrian Barbeau with the box. You know, and the, yeah. dude, I was at Monster Mania last year. Somebody was that creature in the box. I oh, really? It was so great. I love two men. The oil slick. Oh, Remember no, that was one? great, yeah. Dude, that was really, really good. Isn't two? Yeah. Hey, lady, thanks for the ride. Thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man, there was some really good ones in two, too. One is, the Steve Meow was the cockroaches. Oh, my God, yeah. E.G. Yeah. Mar- e. Marshall. Oh, yeah, and then Ted, Ted, whatever, Dancing. Dancing, and two. a Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. You gotta hold your breath. <laughs> I can hold my breath for a long yeah. time. Like, hold your breath? He's underwater like three feet. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You and know. then the, the other one was Ed Harris. I didn't realize that was Ed Harris until later on. Like when I saw it again, I'm like, oh, because, you know, he wasn't really known back then when I saw it in the movies. Right. It's like, uh, I want my cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays the son-in-law. Yeah, yeah. That was great, dude. That was yeah, good. So I, you're right. So when you're bringing it up, I forgot about, I mean, I haven't seen part two in such a long time that, yeah, I, I, there's both, there's the stories from both are great. The show was good. Uh, there's hit and miss yeah. on, on the show. Yeah. And Shudder. Yeah, I have Shudder and I've watched, I didn't watch the last i watched part of the second season i'm not even sure where they are now but i, yeah. I enjoyed some episodes yeah it was good it was good shutter's great Shutter, whenever you want to go to sleep you want to go to shutter there's something there oh, yeah, I, i'm in i'm in one of the shows so um oh what's it called the origin of horror some shit and they oh. had they had the blairstown diner one the blairstown um uh museum and that's I was part of the grand opening for the Blairstown Museum, which is part one was shot Friday the 13th. We had the Vengeance premiere at the same time as the, the grand opening. So, go ahead. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, I think, is that the show that Eli Roth hosts? Yeah. Yeah. One of them is 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 shows about Blairstown, and you see me and everybody cutting the red bin, uh, ribbon when they're doing the, and Jason Brooks um, for Vengeance and, and Rosebud, cutting the red ribbon with Ari Lyman, CJ Graham uh, for the grand opening for that. I'm the one that like put that together the whole thing. So I'm in there too. So I'm like, I didn't even know I'm watching shutter one day and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm in this show. Nobody tell me about it. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I saw most of them. Cause I know there's, I don't know how many parts I've been watching, but I have a couple more to watch. So I, I, I might've seen that one already. So yeah. like I said, besides all the different movies and conventions that I've, you and I were in the same room, they probably saw you on TV. Didn't even realize it. Yeah. You probably saw me a hundred times. Cause I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I was at every rock and shock for the last five years that they had it. Yep. Yeah, no, me too. I love it. Did, um, did you ever hear of Morbid Vision Films like when you were there? Because they were from that area, but they it's another, just like you, fan of horror, and they make their own movies. And uh, one time I was, uh, I had him on my show a couple of years, but he was there every year. So he lived maybe like down the street from there. But one time, um, I forgot what the name of the movie was. It was called Fetus. And I said, oh, man, I would love to buy this movie. I just, I ran out of money and the ATM was out of money. He goes, you know what? I love people like you. You could tell you're like a really... You, you know your horror, you, you love horror movies, so they gave me the movie, and we, he and I became friends. His name is Brian Paul, and he's another low-budget filmmaker, but puts out some really good stuff. He's, he's more of a special effects artist than a director and writer, but he's becoming all three of them. I heard of Fetus. You know, it's funny, it's funny you say the ATM. The ATM was right out the door on the right with the big doors open, and it used to run out of money all the time. I remember oh, yeah. that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how many times I'm like, oh, I want to get a picture. So I would go. So I learned my lessons. I'd go to all the people I want to meet first. Then I would go back to some of the other ones. And then I'd like talk to them and everything. And 99% of the time, everybody's like, so cool. Oh, don't worry about this and that. I'll like give half price off. Just I mean, not, I'm not even looking for a deal. But I'm just like, you know, I really am a fan of this and I would love this, that. But so I, yeah. I learned my was- lesson because almost every year, if I didn't bring enough money, 
they would be out of money. <laughs> I, I brought cash, but the, the the best I thought it was when it was in Springfield at the DCU Center. Yes, I, that was the best because for me, it's only fifty five minutes straight up ninety one. You get off, you're right there, back on. It, it was the best, dude. I loved going to that. I missed that show, but now see because that show went out, and because Scaricon, that was another one I was telling you about, was like New Hampshire or Mass. That went out. So now CT Horror Fest got big, you know, now it's doing two days and, you know, the last two years. So it never did that. But now it's in the Hartford Excel Center. Oh, really? I didn't realize yeah. that because I know it was in, I think it started in Naugatuck and then it went to some. Like, it, it was last few, three years. It was in Naugatuck, but now they're at the Hartford Excel Center. I have a table. Oh, there. I I was, like, uh, yeah, I was there. I had a table last year. I was there with Jason Brooks. We had two tables. Okay. I don't know if I made it to last year because it's always around the same time as Chiller. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to waste all my, Dude. not waste. I don't want to spend all my money in one convention. Like I, so, but I'm definitely going to be uh, checking out this year because one of the people I want to meet and I can't believe I met them and I didn't realize it was uh, the guy who plays uh, Art the Clown in Terrifier. Oh, David Howard Thornton. Yeah. He's, he's going to be at the next one and I yeah. want to interview him. Uh, and then like I said, I'm so I tried to get in touch with Damien Leone and I couldn't reach him. But then another person I interviewed was friends with Michael Levy. And so she got him in touch with me. So it worked out. Per- they're great guys, everybody. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I met fans. them and I didn't realize like who they were at the time. And then I said, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, so now I know that. So does Larry, I know he's part of it. Is he the, the main person that runs it? No, Rob and his wife. But Larry, I mean, Larry runs a lot of it. But I yeah, think so I thought if you talk about like the owners, I think it's Rob Cap- Caprizelli. And his wife, I forgot her name, but um, the, he you'll see him at CT, uh, the the movie theater too at the Strand. But okay. um, uh, they were at I, I was with them with um, she came from the woods too. Rob was there with his wife, but Larry okay. like runs it and does the promotion. But I think who runs it behind the scenes is Rob and, and his wife. I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Okay, but well, um, the reason I was asking because I have two people that wanted to be a part of that because and uh, David Harris who was um co-chiefs and the warriors i interviewed him he's like, oh man can you get me into that connecticut horror fest and then also leslie donaldson who was in happy birthday to me and she's she was in, she was i would love to do a convention in america she lives in well she's in america now she grew up in canada and she did most of her movies in canada but she was like, yeah, she was let me know if i can be a part of it but you know larry said they're already booked hit, yeah they are booked uh, yeah. they're booked with the vendor tables too but yeah quick story we had jason brooks is pretty good friends with david howard thornton and um uh, we had David Howard Thornton for Vengeance too. We also had Felissa Rose for Vengeance too. Both of them had to do movies. So the last minute, they're like, oh, we can't do it. So then we got Darcy DeMoss from Part 6 for Vengeance too, yep. which worked out perfect. And instead of David Howard Thornton, we, they got Richie Ramon from the Ramones. Oh, no yeah. way. So that, that's a pretty cool story, right? That is pretty cool. So that's yeah. if, if you had if you need somebody else, you know, like a second string, that's a great second string. <laughs> second string, yeah. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> I, I love the sleepaway camp movies. The first one, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Nah! Did she ever tell you the story about the, that end scene, who that was and how that worked out? No. Felissa talks about it. She told me, on the, I had her on the phone when I was trying to get her for vengeance. And um, it's, it's an 18 year old dude. And that's really his junk. And what they did was they molded her face and put it on the dude. And this is like, you, you, another thing you'd never be able to get away with today. I think he was 17. And he was so nervous that they gave him a bottle of Jack Daniels. They gave him alcohol and he drank like the whole bottle of, of John of Jack Daniels so that he could have enough balls to go up there and do that. How crazy is that? <laughs> yeah. I even liked like, Sleepaway Camp like three. Remember three? Like the cover, the girl had a, fr- a Jason mask on the backpack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Those are movies I have not seen in such a long time, but I enjoy them. They were they were great. Yeah, they, they were. They were again, like. 
we grew up this way. I tell people all the time. The reason why we know all these movies so much and we love them so much, there wasn't 8,000 channels or 10,000 internet things. So everybody watched Jaws. Everybody watched E.T. Everybody yep. always knew the lines of these movies because that was the only thing that was on. It was on regular TV and then there was HBO. Well, everybody had HBO. So we all watched the same movies 50 times over. So now it's like, I never watched Game of Thrones. Like back in the day, there'd never be someone who didn't watch like the number one thing, you know? No, exactly. And that's why um, I, like, you'll see shows ahead. Like, like the last episode of MASH had a rating of, because the only time you could ever see it was because if you weren't home to watch it, you could never watch it again because there was no VCRs right. to record it. No right. streams. Like, and like you said, we, yeah, growing up, we had what, channel three, channel eight, and channel, another channel, then UHF. <laughs> they got yeah. like, so just in, I like you said, but one of the reasons I like remakes is because for a while it would alert people to like, oh, let me check out the original. And it's like, oh, the original is much better than this. So I mean, that's why sometimes I like when they do a remake because it brings attention to the original movie that was uh, that came out in the 70s and 80s. And like you said, I'm not against remakes if it's done in a good way, but a lot of them just don't. Uh, Kevin Smith brought up a great point. He says. These producers or these, uh, they don't really care about the content. All they care about is the name recognition gets asses in the seat. Once they get that weekend gross, they're like, all right, let's move on to something else. All they want is that name recognition. They don't care about how the movie is, which right. is sad. Yeah. Well, to me, the other thing too is um, very rarely in, in a horror franchise is the first one the best. I'd mm -hmm. only say Halloween and maybe Text Chainsaw Massacre. I still think the remake's better. But if yeah. you just go in the series, Friday 13th, it's either four or six or two. Some people like two. Friday, uh, for me, Nightmare on Elm Street, I like three better than one. And I love one. But yeah, I yeah. thought Dream Warriors was better than one. It's very rare that the one sticks out so much. That's why Halloween is so so precious. And what about, what's your opinion on the original Phantasm? I like two better. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I it's one's not that like um, action-packed. You know, yeah. where two is. Remember, he's got the, that's where the double, the quad shotgun comes out. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where they got they, the the lady, like the thing comes up, the old man comes out of her back. And like, to me, two was, was way, I even like three. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it two, one, three in, in, in my book. I just don't, I know one is so classic and everything, but they really ramped it up. They had a two, $3 million budget for two. You could see it. Yeah. yeah. Well, when yeah. I was talking to uh, Reggie, his wife's name is Gigi. Gigi. Gigi yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's like a boss, man. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I said I thought she yeah. was being like overbearing. And then yeah. I realized what was going on. I said, but she's just a real she's bitch. Still she's like actually, that. she's really nice. And I talked to her on the phone for a while. And we were talking about, but um, we were talking about why they released it 20 years later. Because the original came out in 78 or 79. And the new one came out in 88. And I guess it was because... Whoever took over was it Universal at the time, whatever movie studio, he was a huge fan of the original Phantasm. And they said, "We, I want this release. I want to do another one. And it was because of that person that said that's how he got the, the green light for it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he told me the same thing. Reggie was telling me the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like the car thing. I have video of me and him talking. So he was such a nice dude, you know? I, and that's what, man. So if laugh is a huge success right? Which I'm hoping it is. And I have enough money, which I hope I do. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do a, a, a fantastic because man, I just see Jason Brooks being a great tall guy, a tall man. So, uh, but we'd have to find a Reggie, but yeah, that's going to be, I, I, I talked to Don Castorelli multiple times. He's a big ECW fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about ECW a whole bunch of time when I somewhere in Massachusetts, I had dinner. It's funny. I had dinner. I was eating with my girlfriend at the time and he came in and we were eating and Terry Kaiser was there. 
who just had, who I didn't even you know know then. And I remember it was Golden State in the finals versus Toronto, and and Toronto won that year for if you remember basketball. And I and I said Terry Kaiser sitting. I go, who you got? And he's like, I'm a huge Golden State fan. I go, I don't think it's their year. He's like, I think you're right. <laughs> so I, I didn't even know that we would become. I'm like friends. I talk to him every week on the phone now. He's yeah. he's going to be in laugh. I'll give you that. Oh really? So Terry right. Kaiser plays my father in laugh. I cannot wait to see us. Like I said, yeah. you're going to have to come back again for another three hour yeah, yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, and Don Cascarelli, we talked about the film. He's like, yeah, it's impossible to get funds and everything. But I'm thinking, man, if I did the film and and co-wrote it with Don Cascarelli and co-directed it or whatever, and then had his name on it, we could easily raise like 200 grand, 250 yeah. grand and make that film. And Jason Brooks would be free. You know what I'm saying? That I, I would, I could never play Reggie. I, as much as I want to, I, I'm, I'm not a Reggie. I'd have to find somebody to be a Reggie. And then we get, yeah. what, we get some chicks and you know, we get some spheres and man, it's doable. I definitely doable. I would, I'd be the first we get one Rich to buy like the, the, the grave, the, the, the mausoleum keeper. Yes. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Just all weird and shit. We'll have the ball hit you like the priest and the blood shoot up. Remember that? Oh my that God. Guy was yeah. too. That guy that died in that. What was that? The guy, the priest that gets the ball in his head. Oh he's yeah. Fam- he's famous. When, when he, I'm trying to think what he did. He, he was he was the priest. He went back home, or he went in his chamber, and the ball was at the door. Oh no, no, the, I know he's. In, but you said he's famous. Who? Well, oh, he's he's been in. I forgot. But once oh. you see his face, you'll you'll be like, oh my god, that I seen that guy in a whole bunch of things. But well, it's yeah. funny because in the original Phantasm, remember the funeral scene? Um, they it's Reggie's father plays the priest. If you look at it, it looks oh, just like it? Reggie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and then um, the, the way they shot the spears is they threw them like baseballs down the hall. Yep. And what they did was they reversed it. So they threw it. It was on a, yeah. like a fish string or a, a wire, fish wire. And then they would reverse the, so it looked yeah. like it was going into the head, but it would actually be taken out. How yeah. they never, they talked about it in the, like the behind the scenes, how you never saw the camera off the ball is amazing to me. Cause the camera yeah. was like following it or with it or around it. And it's, it's reflective. And yep. yet somehow that's before CGI, you didn't see the camera. I mean, that must've been like creative, you know, creative design there. To figure that out and, and the balls were awesome i don't know how they did that with the little machine drill coming out and stuff yeah so you was, could you could do it really good today no no definitely but and i would love i mean i'm hoping that you do this because i would love to see not only because i want to part in the we movie could, we could take a drone right and then we could paint the rest of the drone the green like a cgi back screen and then yeah. we could take that drone and fly it everywhere and just cg out the drone part and put the ball in the middle That'd oh yeah, be so easy, and we could control it. We could put mechanical stuff on it. I mean, I, I could make it really sick. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I know, I know you could do because, like, again, you, I could tell you're very passionate about the Phantasm films, and you really love it. So yeah. you would definitely do it justice more than somebody that's like, eh, let me just try and see if I can make a couple bucks. I know people like Phantasm. You would actually put your, you know, your heart and soul into I, it. I, I don't know how we'd get the little people, the little dink things, running around. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That would be tough. They're not like really everywhere, you know, that are actors. You well, know? I know. Yeah, yeah. So we'd have to like low and they're brown, they're low to the ground. <laughs> remember in part three when he shot he shot the four barrel in the tree and he's waiting, waiting, and then all four of them fall out. I don't know if you remember that. That was great. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. That that's uh, I just I don't know. You and I can go on and on about Phantasm because that's definitely, that's the one movie, like I mentioned, when I was so jaded by the time I was 12 years old that for some reason, that's the one movie that sort of scared me a little bit. Whereas the tall, oh, yeah. like I'd have nightmares that the tall man was coming after me. But any other movie really didn't freak me out that much. You know, I just watched it and I realized, oh, it's fiction and it's not real. But for some reason, Phantasm, when I was 10 years old, affected me. Yeah, same here, dude. And that's how you know the, the real horror fans. Cause I would talk to people and I'm like, 
Um, they're like, yeah, Friday Thirteenth, man. I'm a huge fan. You know, horror. You have no idea. I'm like, oh, real cool. What about Phantasm? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, I'm like, Phantasm. You seen it? They're like, I never heard of it. I'm like, what? Oh, what? How could you be a real horror fan? You know, I know it's kind of culty, but still, you know, it's it's phenomenal. It scared one scared the shit out of me. And then the one is weird. Is one of those movies that you don't understand. Like, remember how the tall man was the girl? Yes. So that's weird because she was like making love to the brother, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's the tall man. You're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah she <laughs> she looks the same, man. I seen her in Massachusetts a couple of years ago. She looks phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I saw her too. It's funny that scene where uh, Jody Jody takes her to the graveyard. That's a, yeah. it's a fun date. Yeah, and then Michael spying on him. Yeah, with his bicycle. Yeah, with, yeah. It was his bicycle then, not his motorcycle, right? Or was yeah. it his motorcycle? Motorcycle was later on. Later on, when he's going through the graveyard and he crashes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he sees the tall man just pick up the the the, the casket like nothing, yeah. like it was ten pounds. Yeah, all you see is my what the fuck. You just, yeah, all you see is his mouth. <laughs> you know yeah. what I like about that movie too is like the uh, the little fortune teller and the daughter. Yeah, oh, put your hand in the box. Yeah, don't fear, Michael. Don't fear. It's yeah, just... it seems weird, but I remember it. Yeah, yeah, seems out of place, but uh, yeah, I I, I got I, like I said, I got one. I got two, one, three, and then four, and then five. Ravager was really bad. I, yeah, no, I do like I, watching it because I love everybody in it, but yeah. it was bad. Yeah. And and the tall man died uh, with only a few scenes done. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, what was I going to say about Phantasm? Well, I'll get back to that in a minute. I want to, well, um, I want to talk about your podcast because I, I did watch part of it the other night. And the other night you had uh, the film Valentine Bluffs. You had Thomas Smith and Chuck Ryan on there. Yeah, yeah, a big uh, those guys are pretty cool. I back their film, um, so I, I, I think I gave them like five hundred dollars. So I was like associate producer. I don't know what whatever the title is, um, but and they were working on that for a long time. And uh, when it came out, I just always you know I always if you follow me online, I support everybody yeah. for fan films. I always have everybody on and stuff like. I just started the podcast, just something to do fun. Um, but um, yeah, I, I wanted to have them on. And what my podcast is the way I do it is I always have two special guests that no one knows who it is. So I surprised them with one of their actors in it. And then I surprised them with another indie director. So when we did the um, ranking the final girls, I had Adam Marcus as a special guest, the director of part nine. I was supposed to have Tom McLaughlin, but he, the guy's 70 something years old and he's in two different bands. So he had to do band practice. So he couldn't be on. That's but I, so funny. I I had Jason Brooks. What does he play? Dude, he's lead, lead vocals. No way. Yeah. Dude, he's nuts. The guy has like six abs. He's in unbelievable shape. He's in. Yeah. I got. I got to check that out. <laughs> what kind yeah, of yeah. what kind of music? Um, rock for sure. I, I don't know where it would fall. There's so many categories now. I don't, I don't know where it falls under, but definitely rock. Yeah, he was with. If you look at Vengeance Two when they first show Sanaya, which is Ashley Jarvis, she has on uh, his shirt for his band, which I think broke up since then, and I forgot the name of it. But well, you know what? Um, so you're from from what I'm guessing, your podcast is live, and it seems like it airs every Friday around eight o'clock. Is that correct? Yeah, but I don't have a schedule. Like I didn't do it this last Friday. Okay. So um, I, I just I think I'm going to do another one next week. It depends. So my work, I travel a lot too. So yeah. um, so I get it's it's tough. And then this this uh, so this Friday I'm not doing it because I'll be at Monster Mania, but I'll probably go live from Monster Mania a couple of times. Very cool. That's like, so you basically just do it whenever because I, I I enjoyed what I saw. I didn't get a chance to watch all of it. I was so busy watching your other movies, doing research, getting ready for this. So I didn't get to all of it yet. <laughs> If you yeah, gave no me another problem. week, I would have. <laughs> we had, um, oh man, I forgot his name. The guy who wrote the book about part two. And okay. then during that, so Sackhead Jason. And during that, we had Steve, 
Dash's grandson in Vengeance 2 playing young Jason with the sack. Oh, that's so very cool. No, we had a guest, the guest was him, special guest, and he asked about his father and, and the movie and the book and how he read the book and he loved it. And the, he was blown away. Ron Gann is the writer of the book. So things like that. I like like surprising the people with. So I won't do it until I have it all lined up, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. So why do they call you the mad Cuban? <laughs> uh, excellent question. Dude, uh, you're seeing the 46, almost 47-year-old version of me, which is the nice guy version. But uh, growing up, I mean, not that I was like a thief or a drug addict or a stole thing or whatever, but I was just a mean motherfucker. I mean, when I played sports too, that's where I got the nickname because I was just nuts. You know, I would fight anybody anytime. I would do the craziest things ever. You know, it's just always nuts. That was the nickname that stuck to Mad Cuban. And then over years, I've probably been in like 50 street fights and things wow. like that. And the name I did, I fought a guy with a Jason mask on, like, you know, like just crazy things like that. So it stuck. And then it, when I got into the movies, like I went to Peter Anthony and then people were like, well, Mad Cuban. So I kind of still have that persona and personality. It kind of just is different. So I kind of yeah. stick with it at times. And once in a while, I'll, I'll talk about it. But yeah, I used to just be a, a crazy guy for sure. Well, I have to say, I was watching your YouTube channel and you're definitely much nicer now. I want to talk about a video I saw. Sick boy named Orion meeting Jason Voorhees. Sick boy Orion. Oh, a... yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Danny, so so long story short, we did a thing called the Golden Ticket. I came up with this idea from um, Willy Wonka, right? And I yeah. found the graphic <laughs> online. And I said, Jason, let's let's give away a death scene in Vengeance 2. And we'll, what we'll do is anybody who buys the Vengeance 1 DVD or Blu-ray, we're going to stick in one of these golden tickets. So it, it upped the sales of that big time because now people wanted a shot, right? It was a mm -hmm. pretty good marketing idea. And uh, we put the golden ticket in and this girl, Danny, won from Alaska. And she's in she's the girl that they take the head and vengeance to and smash it on the on the plate of glass and you see her face. Mm -hmm. Um, her name is Diana Link in the movie. And so she did such a great job with such a good person that they invited her back when they reshot another round of series. I think they shot 19 days of vengeance too. And they had her back because she was so helpful. She's such a good person. Well, then she posted that her son was sick, and you know, the doctors in Alaska aren't the best, you know. So um, I got with Sean and Jason. And Sean put her up in his guest house and Sean bought her her and the kid, her son a plane ticket. And then Jason waited for him at her work. So they came here for free because of Sean Lutzis, our, our producer. They met Jason Brooks, you know, his hero, Jason, that was in the movie with his mother. And then he went and saw a doctor in Seattle for a specialist and got fixed from what he had. So wow. how awesome is that, right? That is very awesome. Yeah. The mad Cuban does have a soft side. I like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. With kids, for sure. For sure. I love kids. I know I wanted to talk about because I was when I was with Phantasm, I said I, I said how would Coscarelli ever top something like that? But one of my favorite movies that he's done is Bubba Hotel. Bubba Hotel, yeah, I yes, I love that movie. Yeah, and it's funny because it was written by an author that I like named Joe Lansdale, and he okay. even said he goes, "How the hell are they ever going to make this into a movie?" But they did. I love Ozzy Davis on Kennedy, yeah. Bruce Campbell's Elvis. Yeah, Bruce Campbell could do anything. Yes. Right. And remember, remember him in uh, Spider-Man three when he was the uh, the door guy at the movie theater. Remember? Yeah. Yep. Like, one of the other Spider-Man's, he was the um, in the wrestling match or boxing match. He was the referee or something. Yeah. When he fought Macho Man, which yeah. was Bonesaw McGraw. Yeah. And then yeah. even at the what's that last one? Doctor Strange. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's at the end vendor. Yeah. Yeah. What does he say to him? I forgot. He's got, his hand kept freaking out on him. So he was oh, like, I know so how it feels. Yeah. 
And then yeah. at the end, he goes, I fixed it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of Evil Dead, the remake, he says groovy. Yes. You know yeah. what? I, that's what I love. Cause like, I'm sure you know the story. Like he, Bruce Campbell, Ted Raimi, they all grew up together making, I mean, they were 21 years old, 19 years old when they were do, trying to raise money for their first original Evil Dead. And they're going from house to house saying, Oh, you, if you give us money, we'll make you a producer. And then they would show it before. On Rocky or Picture Show, they would bring their little projector out and put in the middle of the. So yeah. just the fact that they're still best friends, they're still making movies. Or even when Sam Raimi made it big, he still remembers Bruce, puts him as a cameo into all, pretty yeah. much every movie he's ever done. The, the show was phenomenal. Yes, Dude, the first, the third season was okay, but the first two seasons were so good, so witty. You know yeah. the, the little puppet. Remember the little puppets up there. I love stuff? that. Yeah, plus Dana DiLorenzo. Holy cow. Oh yeah. my god! I'd marry her in like five seconds. Um, <laughs> you have to get by me first. Yeah, <laughs> I want her. Fight for her. Um, I met her at, at a couple of cons. She's she's just like she is in the character. She's yeah. just the same. But man, they did and had Raimi in it too. He became a um, uh, possessed in or dead eye in in I think season two or whatever. But man, they, that show I, I was like sad that it went. But man, that was one of the best shows ever. Like they 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 they've done such a good justice with Evil Dead. You know, they never really messed it up like Friday Thirteenth has. No, exactly. And it's, uh, I love it. I even made that comment to somebody. I said, it's like Evil Dead, how they wanted it because they had no, but now they have a budget to do what they wanted to do. Back then, they were like trying to scrap them. And, they, and I, I thought they did a phenomenal job with the money they had. But now, yeah, like you said, they have the, the everything at their fingertips. Like they have the amount of money, they have the different effects that they can use. And, it's, and the story is well done too. That's the most important. Part two is just part one with more money exactly that's all it is yeah I, I take that back they did mess up with army of darkness because that was I, i'm not into that super comedy shit no. it was better like one and two was scary even though there's more comedy in two for sure three just uh, army of darkness went too much into the comedy well it's funny I, I gotta say something about that because i thought just like you you know what you want to know when i regained more respect for it is um well one was larry showed it at the strand and seen it with like you, you talked about like you have to see a horror movie with a bunch of people yeah. everybody's yelling the lines having fun it was just and it made me respect the movie a lot more but then uh in new haven criterion Cinemas, they used to have um a midnight showing of all different horror movies and they did the same thing there it was the same thing and i said i'm actually enjoying the movie years later but when i first went into the theater in 1992 i said this is stupid. And I know that Sam Raimi said his biggest influence growing up with the Three Stooges. And obviously you could tell. 100%. But you know what it is? It's like a, um, you wanted to be scared because one and two were scared. I remember going to the Blockbuster or even before that, it was Mad Mike's around here. Yep. And um, you see in that Evil Dead cover with the skull and the one eye. I think that was Evil Dead 2. I don't remember. That movie, Those were scary movies, one and two. Especially one. One was super scary. And then yeah. you went to see Army of Darkness expecting to be scared. So that's the problem. If you knew it was like a horror comedy, today you would know. You know, back then you didn't. You just thought, oh, it was another one. It's going to be another scary movie. And it wasn't. And then the way the skeletons are all like weird and corny and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I just, it wasn't my boat. But I, I do. It is. It does have a place. It's just I like how they went back to seriousness with the remake. Yeah. Well, you know, did you see the movie Brutal Massacre? No. All right. It's great. All right. It's sort of like Spinal Tap for horror movies. Oh, it's yeah. uh, the guy, David Naughton, who played in American War from London, is a director and he's trying to make a horror movie. And nobody wants to. Be, so it has the ladies from the Evil Dead in it, has a couple of the people from Clerks, but it has Gunnar Hansen's in it. And it's, it has all the different horror icons and other you know people, like I said, from Clerks and things like that, people you would know from different movies. But it's basically Spinal Tap of horror movies. You got to watch it. It's hilarious. Okay. And it has so many great people. But what made me think about it is it has the, the lady from Evil Dead, one that plays um, 
I think, think you know, Scotty from part two, not Scotty. I'm trying to remember. It was, he was one of the guys in part two, but she plays his, his wife. It's, it's, it's really cool how they just um, blended everybody together. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Send it to me. I'll, I'll definitely watch, or remind me. I'll watch it. One of the things, you know, what I like about Sam Raimi too, is that he never, he, you know, became really popular. And I love Simple Plan. That's probably one of my favorite movies. He did such a phenomenal job at that movie, but then he went back to his horror roots with, you know, Drag Me to Hell. Peter Jackson, on the other hand, I loved Bad Taste. I loved Dead Alive. I loved some of his other movies, even The Frighteners. But it seems like, you know, after Lord of the Rings, he's sort of like, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I would love to see him go back to his roots of horror because I thought he made some good stuff back then. Dude, Dead Alive. Go, go try to buy that on Blu-ray. It's like 100, 140 bucks. Really? Wow. Dude, you can't find it anywhere. Just like Fright Night you couldn't get until two years ago and they finally released it on Blu-ray. There was no blue, there was zero Blu-ray of Fright Night. The DVD was like hundred something bucks. And then all of a sudden they re-released it on Blu-ray. And you can get it. But dude, th- trying to get that movie, um, what the hell was the name of it? I just said. Which one? Fright Night. No, no, no. The other one. The one Peter Jackson with the mo- lawnmower killing everybody. Oh, Dead Alive. Dead Alive, dude. That thing is impossible to get on Blu-ray. It's impossible. Really? Yeah, I bought I bought it years ago, and I never even thought about rebuying it. So I didn't even I didn't realize that was going on. But I I love that movie. It was just so much fun. Yeah, it was, I used it to call great. him like the English Bruce Campbell, just because he seemed yeah. like that type of character. Yeah, he he, he Peter Jackson's great. So is um um, not Denicio del Toro. Who's the other guy who made Pan's Labyrinth? Oh, I can't remember. I I know you're talking. I can't think of his name. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah, done yeah. some great horror stuff too, and some recent stuff too. Yeah, I have yeah. to. I'm, I can't. It's the name. He's what other movie did he do? It's like he's the one that did the Lady in the Water, right? The yeah, and he just did another one like Horns or something. Did he do some weird one. Yeah, yeah, like it was off off show one. I can't. Yeah, think, but he, I, he did Lady in the Water. He won. They won a ton for that. Yeah, I think he won an Oscar. So I, I I never saw that one, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. He he's good, and I did see the trailer for uh, if it's called Horns. And I said, it's one of those movies similar to the one we talked about with Mia Goth. I saw, I want to check it out when it comes out. And I think I didn't even realize it was released and then exited the theaters already. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's great. I, Pan's Labyrinth is up there of all timers. Beautiful. Well, for you, it was like, um, you wear so many hats, as I mentioned before, writing, producing, directing, acting, editing, fight coordinator. What's your favorite? So... I, I, they always say the easiest thing is acting, right? Because you get to focus on one thing and really get into it. I couldn't even do that with any of my films because I was so busy doing a million different things. Um, I will see now for laugh because I'm gonna. I won't be directing on the scenes I'm in, so I'll really be able to focus in it. But directing and producing is really, really tough. So is writing. So I don't know. I, um, writing is so tough until you get it done. Then it seems easy. Uh, producing is so time consuming and everyone's on you and so is directing um but being the director slash producer is the worst thing you ever want to be the whole time mm-hmm. um, you got to force people to do things they don't want to do you have to tell them what your vision is and make them understand it to this personality that personality that personality that person everyone's different some people you can press some people you can't press mm-hmm. and so on and so forth but at the end when you did the premiere when i did the premiere and everyone was there and there was a standing ovation and you see people getting autographs from oh. other actors and stuff and everybody getting more roles. Now people are directing and people are starring in other things. And that is so satisfying that I don't think any acting could ever out satisfy that, but there's a lot of downs to get to that up. But so yeah. I would say I'm looking forward to the acting alone part, but it's more rewarding when you have a successful film, but I can't imagine it being unsuccessful too. 
and getting a lot of heat, especially like Hollywood and losing a hundred million and stuff like that. That's gotta oh be God. the worst. Yeah, no, definitely. It was funny because I, I'm going to go back to that documentary score about the composers and I don't, I forgot what his name was. He does a lot of, I'm going to say the guy from Avengers. I know he was part of the superhero movies, but he said what he likes to do is he likes to go into the theater and listen to see what how people's reactions are to the music. And then he goes, I'm embarrassed to say this, but afterwards I go into the stall and see if people are humming the music. If I know they are, then I know it, it went well. And he goes, more often than not, it goes well. And so I would do the same thing too. I'd be like, if I was a writer, because I know Spielberg used to do the same thing during Jaws. He used to go into the projection booth and just get audience reactions because that must be such a great feeling when it does go well, like you said. It, yeah, the premiere was phenomenal, dude. I mean, we got a standing ovation. I mean, everybody was just so happy. I mean, a lot of it was my, fa people's fans, family and friends, but still, yeah. it was it was, uh, it was was uh, Mark Wither was there yeah. um it was it was just such a good time seeing it all come to fruition all the sacrifices the money i mean i'm 80 grand in debt from wow. that film so so other people are even more so um for it to come together like that and and to see all that was was totally worth it and now like jessica who played young tina she's directing films she had like another five role sanaya is is unbelievable jason brooks is taking off he's like the jason his effects team is is out of control everybody brent edge everybody in there has done more movies and done more stuff and it just makes me so happy that it yeah. was like the genesis for a lot of people like that you know yeah and they believed in, in in like my vision you know nobody argued nobody everyone listened everything was good so so that has a like a, a father effect that i don't think any other part of movie making can have well you brought up a great point because i interviewed victoria price about a year or two ago and she said um when her father worked with peter laurie and boris karloff there was a huge not fight, but because they were all great friends, but Boris Karloff was strictly to the script. He didn't want to improvise at all. Peter Lorre was all over the place. He just loved improv. He was always off the cuff. Got made Boris Karloff so angry and Vincent Price was somewhere in the middle. So she was telling me that Vincent Price had to talk to Boris and say, just don't worry about it. Calm down a little bit. And then he went to Peter Lorre. Just stick to the script a little bit more. So they said Vincent Price got Boris to be a little bit more lenient with the script and Peter to stick to the script a little bit more often. So what you just said, did you ever have an issue where somebody was just had these great ideas and these great lines and the other actors like, how am I going to respond to this? I'm more about this, not in the script. Did you ever have that happen? I had a great story of that happen. Um, we tell it in the behind the scenes too. Um, I listen all the time. So I, I mean, I'm pretty focused and I think that my way is the right way only because I've run it through my head so many times mm -hmm. that, that I think it's the right way. But on set, you could ask anybody people have different ideas all the time. I totally listen, but Terry Kaiser uh, talking about going off script um, in the scene. If you remember when he's with Lar and then he yells at Tina and Tina Lar falls back in the seat and then it changes and it becomes Jessica young mm -hmm. Tina. And then, so at that point it, he just, there's no there's no line he just says something and she she passes out into the chair so he says peter can i speak to you and i'm like yeah and he's like well i was thinking about this line here tina why don't i scream tina and yell it really loud and uh and that'll then she, that'll make her fall back and then transition i'm like yeah why don't we try it so here's the genius of him this is in the dailies too he did that take five six times and he was like let's say so you're at a zero and you're at a 10 for energy right so he's at like a three and he's just three the whole way, right? He's just three the whole way. When I told him he could say Tina and yell it, man, this dude, he went from one to two to three. Remember, he's like, oh, oh my. He started bringing it, bringing it, bring, because he knew where he was going. And then do that, Tina. And then bang, she falls to the seat. And then I can't imagine it being any other way. 
So oh, yeah. I did listen to one of the actors who wanted to improvise and it went great. And there's other ones too. David McMahon who played Dr. Sykes. Um, he said, can I say this? Can I do that? Can I not swear here? Can I do that? So there was other people that ch- I basically didn't say no to anything because I thought they were all good ideas. Yeah, and see, and I love that because I think it, you create such a welcome environment where people feel good to be creative and try different things instead of like, oh boy, if I don't listen to him. And then I think people, it makes the film better because yeah. it just, yeah, because like, I mean, maybe you didn't think of something and they're like, oh, this might work. And then you could sort of, so I, I, I like the fact that you're open to other suggestions and it, it makes it work, whatever works best for the film. There's no egos involved. I always say two, three minds are better than one, four, five are better than one. I'm not going to listen to Terry Kaiser on acting on a role of his own character. Like I'd be an idiot, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we didn't even discuss this, but when I was doing my research on Terry Kaiser, he went to the actor studio and worked with Lee Strasberg. Lee Strasberg was his coach. Wow. Yeah. That yeah, guy, I, I was just recently, I was watching, rewatching for like the 11th time in Justice for All, where Lee yeah. Strasberg plays his father. Yeah. It's such, oh man, it's yeah. such an unbelievable actor. So to actually work with this guy and have that as your acting coach. Yeah, there's Lee Strasberg from, um, what's the name of it again? Injustice for All. No, 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 his studio. Oh, oh uh, the actor studio, I think. That's what I was, it said in the there, credits. There's the actor studio, which remember that guy with the beard used to do the Yeah, James talk? Lipton. I thought that was the actor studio. Me too, but. The other one is, uh, so there's two in New York. There's the actor studio and Lee Strasberg's. Man, I forgot the name of it. I'm gonna look, this one I'm going to look up. Yeah, it's, it's a, the other one. There's two big ones. Um, is it Juilliard? Oh, that might be Juilliard, yeah. Let's see. Lee Strasberg Theater, Theater and Film School, New York. I think um, it might be Juilliard. It just says Lee Strasberg there's Theater and Film School. Because Terry tells me all the time there's another name for it. Probably, it might the be Juilliard. Studio, which yeah. is that guy that sits in the chair. What's James Lipton. James Lipton. And then there's the other one, which is Lee Strasberg. Because Strasberg is not part of that one. No, I, no, I knew that. But I yeah. just, for some reason, when I was looking it up, you know, doing my research on it, it said actor studio. Maybe there was more to it. Maybe they just abbreviated what it's yeah, really it's called. Man, I always know it. Um, it's not Juilliard. It, it's something else. But anyways, yeah, Lee Strasberg. I, I saw yeah. the thing with the, what did you say his name is? Ken Lipton? James. James Lipton, where he said his whole goal was for one day, one of his students to go and be somebody. And it was, uh, what you call it? Bradley. Um, oh, yeah. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he had him a... back on. It was the first one of his students that like made it. I, there's a, I mean, I've seen that clip, probably the same one you're talking about, where uh, he, he's like, can I ask a question? It's a young Bradley Cooper. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. It was great. Speaking of him, did you see that movie where the, about the carnies? It was um, with hit him, Kate Blanchett. It, it's really good. And he, he goes into the carnival and he was, can I ask for a job? And it's such a great movie. It's, no, it, well, no. With, I have to look him, up the, I, I never saw it. I think it's called Midnight Alley. You would definitely love that one because it's got such great uh, ambiance and it's more, I would say it's more of like the drama slash horror. Okay. And the ending is great. Another twist ending. 10 o'clock, bro. I got to eat soon. I know, okay. <laughs> we're almost done. Dude, three hours. Holy shit. <laughs> Time flies <laughs> when we're having fun. Yeah, we are. Yeah. All right. Well, we're almost done then. Uh, you worked with a former Claus Corner guest, writer and director Joe McGee. Let's talk about some of the movies you did with him. Um, so um, for Bobby was just a small scene where um, I play this. He's like, hey, you want to play a gangster guy? I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I show up in the flannel and the hoods and everything. And, and I just basically act like a badass and get shot and killed. But the other one, which was, um, oh, man, you're going to have the name in front of you. It was, it was a series. What was the one? 
There was, wait, hold on. I have it in my intro. For Bobby, oh, Camille, Reflections. Reflections. Project so Camille. This, this Russian mobster that's a psychopath. So that one's good. I got the big beard. I grew the beard out. And I cut off a guy's finger with a sawzall. And I laugh and I come up the stairs. I'm like cracking my knuckles, kind of shit. I'm in an all black suit. Uh, I was a, it was a better role for that one for sure. So that was fun. Joe McGee's he's just a winger. Like he, it, it, it's it's and I'm not knocking it because it, it's it's a talent versus me where I would have to have everything lined up, the lights lined up, the people lined up. Where we're we gonna go? Who's the backup? He just like ah, throw the light there, the camera here. We're going. You know what I'm saying? And and he just does it like that. Where for me it would drive me crazy, but that's like his magic like that because he can make a film in such short period with such short money, you know, he cranks them out like that. It's funny you say that because sometimes I'll, I'm, I work very similar like, like you, because some people say, Oh, I'm ready tomorrow. I'm like, can you give me a chance to do research on you? People think I just turn on the mic and start talking. I like to, as you can tell, I like to oh, yeah. do my homework. I like to know what I'm talking about. So I said, give me two weeks and then I'll get back to you. But people are like, Oh no, I'm ready. On, uh, I'm ready at three o'clock. If you're, if you're free, I'm like I'm free, but so I, I, I'm just like you. I don't like the wing things. I mean, sometimes in between, like I didn't have a lot of these questions written, but just off the cuff. But in between, at least I know things to refer to. So like you, I, I like preparation. And it's funny because when I interviewed Michael Levy, we were talking about Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator. Yeah. And he said that he is exactly like that. He goes, he'll tell you, I'm not bad mouthing him. He goes, but he says, nope, I want the script. I don't want to change any words. I'm just going to, please let me have preparation. And he said, other actors, like, yeah, I don't really care. Well, let's just wing it. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, Joe and I, lo- I love Joe's movies and Joe is a great guest. He's been on the show several times, but oh, yeah. yeah, everybody has their style and that works for him. Yeah. If you're an improv actor, then yeah. you're so used to going off cuff. If yeah. you came from improv or if you came from Broadway, you're like, we got to be the way it is. You know what I'm saying? You yep. do it so many times repetition. I think that's the difference of it. But Terry Kaiser talked about this too in an interview I had with him, where if you go somewhere different, someone does something magical, you got to go that way. Like sometimes yep. an actor will just say something different. You got to just go. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to go. You can't see the problem with some actors. I mean, these are lesser known actors, but they're waiting for, let's say your last line is car, right? So they're waiting for you to say car before they go. They're not really in the scene. They're not really the character. So if you don't say car, they don't even know what to do or when to go. They're not really listening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, definitely. And it's funny Mm. because I interviewed an actor. His name is PJ Byrne. He's, he's sort of like, I call him uh, Dick Miller Jr. He's been in so many movies, but he... He was in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, and he said that Martin Scorsese really embraced, he wanted people to be off the cuff. He didn't like, and Leonardo DiCaprio was a producer, I think, in that. So he said the two of them really didn't like, they wanted the script a little bit, but they said they want, and he was a financial advisor before he got into acting. And he said he knew all these terms, and, and they loved him for that. So because of he was so easy to work with, and because he was so good at improv, he had him in about three or four more movies of his, and a couple, there was a TV series on HBO, um, I can't remember. I think it was called Vinyl. Which guy is he in uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Oh man, he plays the one with the rug. I can't remember his oh, name. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and if you, it's funny because I'm doing my research on him, and I not realize all the things he's been in. It actually, Bruce Campbell plays his father in an episode of uh, Boston Commons, or no, what's that show? Boston. It was based Boston off Legal? of uh, with James Spader. It was like with the, the attorneys. Boston Legal. Uh, Boston Legal, yes. He, and the Boston Legal episode I watched, and Bruce Campbell plays his father. It's hilarious. So this kid, I mean, not kid, he's like in his 40s. He's been everywhere. And it's just it's funny. He said because he's so easy to work with and he's able to do improv. He worked in a couple of movies with Steve Carell, same thing, Jim, uh, Jim Carrey. He was in a couple of the movies with him. And 
But Martin Scorsese really loved that about his actors. And yeah. I agree with you. It's like, you know, you have a script, just go, but, you know, he, give, them, give them enough rope to say, you know what, try some, try it, Be, feel free. Scorsese is the king of that. Uh, yeah. It also helps when you have phenomenal actors, <laughs> like exactly. the best ever in all your movies. But he, he, you'll see certain directors do it. I'm going to do this with Laugh. And at the end, they'll go, okay, one for you, go. And then you guys can do one take on the whatever way you want to. You know, yep. we're going to shoot it one way you want. If you want to go somewhere else, go somewhere else and we'll see if it works. You know what I'm saying? So that, I love that's, that. Yeah, that's, I mean, what's his name in it? Um, man, my brain's gone. I told you I'm dieting. Um, who plays <laughs> uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's main guy in there? In what? In um, Oh, it's, uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. He actually gets punched by the guy that played the Punisher in that scene because yep. it wasn't looking good. What's his name? The guy that was Shane in The Walking Dead? Oh my god, that one I can't remember. I, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, Shane in The Walking Dead, like the first two seasons, the the yeah. the, the cop guy and the guy that was played the Punisher. Yeah, he's been a million things. Um, he he said, "Man, it's not looking real." He said, "Jonah, let me punch you," and he's like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, let me just punch you once." And he goes, "When the, when they yell cut, you could punch me back." He goes, "Dude, it's a Martin Scorsese film, man. We got to make it look good." He's like, "All right, fine." He's like, "Get the ice ready." He's such a wuss, you know. Get everything ready. We're gonna do this one take. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny see yeah. I, I would do that. i'd be like come punch me come on just punch like, me like, man yeah who cares you're getting exactly. millions in a martin scorsese film and you know he's not gonna punch you a hundred you know i know exactly yeah i mean look what happened to you in the in the camp blood yeah, yeah. i mean it, it probably sucks a little more knowing it's coming but hey what are you gonna do yeah, exactly you're yeah. i'm sure he'll be heavily compensated i wouldn't worry about that that's gotta be nowhere near like a woman playing through a rape scene imagine yeah. how tough that would be oh my god yeah. Wait, did you? I'm sure since you're a huge Exorcist fan, the, how hard it was to work for William Freakin, how tough he was on his actors. Yeah. Um, there was a, a Ellen Burstyn, that scene where she gets yeah. thrown across the room. Yeah, you know he that. He really did it and really, he told her, what did he say? It was a rubber, it wasn't the real wall, it was a rubber wall or yeah. something, something there that it wouldn't hurt and they weren't going to throw her that hard. And they, they said they threw they did it on purpose. Yeah. So she would hit her head so they can get the real reaction. Yeah. And he, He's the one that pulled her. The last one, he said, let that's me do this. That's what it was. And the other yeah. scene I want to talk about really quickly because I know you're hungry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the scene where um, after Father Karras gets thrown out the window and the other priest is going like this, and they said the reason um, when they were filming that scene, William Frank it doesn't look real enough. He goes, do you trust me? He goes, okay. So he took him, boom, slapped him across the face as hard as he could. Now go. And you see him going like this. He goes, I was so in shock, but it got the reaction I want. Imagine anybody doing that now in the movies. It's a oh, famous director him. saying, slapping somebody across the face or yeah. well, look, pulling look, somebody. Look at Shelley Duvall in The Shining. He made it yes. go crazy. He said that he did it on purpose. That that he didn't even care if the first take was good. He was going to drive her crazy into like the hundred takes so that she was so frantic, so crazy looking that it sold, which it did. It yeah. did. It did come across that way for sure. Well, did you see the, his daughter filmed the behind the scenes? I don't know. It's on one of the DVDs I have of The Shining and they show he treated her like dirt. Shit. Wow. Yeah. yeah, shit. I love that scene when, when her and Jack are doing the scene where he hears Johnny. And yeah, and Jack's jumping up and down, jumping up and down, getting all fired up for the part. I love that, dude. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched that again in Torrington. They had it at the Warner Theater. They showed it. And I, I loved seeing that movie on the big screen. I can never get bored of that movie. One of the best lines ever. She goes, get away from me. You're going to hurt me. I just want to bash your fucking brains in. I know. You know, that was great. Wendy, darling, light of yeah. my life. 
You didn't let me finish. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains and bash them right the fuck in. Now give yeah. me the bat. Give me the bat. <laughs> give me. Give me. Yeah. If you go, if you go to the conventions, they have shirts that has that all over it. I love that. Yeah, that is one of my all-time favorite lines in any movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, just the grand of the scene, the grand staircase. It's all wide. It's just him and her. It's so like stoic, you know. And that that's what he was so beautiful at. He was great at filming. Like I said, no power cords, no nothing. Get the TVs on. He almost filmed like like a dream sequence. That's the way he was so good at that. You know, he's oh, yeah. so much better. Then Stephen King could be at that. Yeah, I know Stephen King's the better storyteller stuff, but he was a master at that, like 2001 and all that stuff, you know? Well, even Full Metal Jacket, the first half is unbelievable. I mean, you have, uh, what's that he played in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the real district, um, real drill sergeant? Oh, uh, Lee. Lee Ermey. Lee Ermey, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because what happened was, I'm, I don't know if he I heard the story. The only, he's the only one that he let improv. Nobody else he would ever let improv. And because he goes, no, he goes, I, I was a real drill instructor. I know it's that. So basically all those lines were him just riffing. Did you ever see the whole thing about Lee Irby was never supposed to be the guy? Yeah, he was, yeah, so it was another like, guy. I, he made the guy film him. He goes, he goes, this guy is not a, not a drill instructor. He's an actor. He's like, yeah, but that's the guy. He So he made his buddy film him with the gear on yep. and then showed it to him. And, and then he, he gave him that. And then there was another part too, where they said that that director never told actors to act better. He would just say, do it again. And that meant be better because he almost thought it was rude because he said that if he casted you, that you were a good actor. So yep. he didn't, he shouldn't say, so what's his name? The guy that played mother. Remember the big guy? Yeah. The I guy can't remember the big machine gun. Yeah. I think he, yeah. was, he, he was the one who played in my bodyguard. Yeah. I love yeah. that movie bro. he fights the guy with the bald head at the end with the bike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, he, he said he did a scene and he's like, I don't understand. He's like, again, it was like seven times. He's like, I don't understand what, what you want, you know? And he said that, what's his name? What's the director's name? Um, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. He's sitting, he's up in like the crane chair. And he said, he leans over, he goes, how about better acting? And then just oh. gets back like this. And then he's like, damn, I walked into that one. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny? Just, just the exact opposite. The same person I mentioned, PJ Byrne, he was in a Clint Eastwood movie, actually two Clint Eastwood movies. And he said that Clint Eastwood's the exact opposite. He goes, one take, that's it. He goes, he wanted people to be look natural. He didn't want it to be so over rehearsed that it looked like right. that. So he goes, nope, one scene, let's go. Next scene, he goes, he would film a movie so quickly because he goes, he expected you to know your part and expected you to do what you had to do. Right. Did you, did you see the one with Matt Damon talking about Steven Spielberg doing that? No. So on um, um, Saving Private Ryan, he said him and somebody else, uh, there was another scene that he, he Matt Ryan, Matt, Matt Damon won't say what it is or who it was, yeah. but he said they shot a scene and he said, ah, it wasn't that good, you know? So he said he went to, and they moved on next, you know, next scene. So he went up to Steven Spielberg and he goes, hey, what, you, you, don't you think we should have redone that scene a little bit more? He goes, listen, we could have redone that scene five or six times. It would have took another hour and I probably could have made the actors 10% better, but I can move on to this next scene, get this done and make that scene 20% better. He's like, you got to pick and choose. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I so it's pretty, that. pretty genius. You know, he knows, okay, this guy's close to his limit here. It's probably not the best, but we got to move on to the next one. Yeah. You so know? I can imagine like even Malcolm McDowell said the same thing doing Clockwork Orange that, you know, at 75, hundred takes, he was, it just gets you after. And he, one time he scratched his cornea and he's like, I don't really don't care. We got to film this movie. He said he right. was just so hard to work with Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. But he, he makes great movies. He wants yeah, it exactly. a certain way and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But he's great. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that, there's really almost, I mean, from Lolita, Full Metal Jacket, even the movie with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, even if you don't like it, um, the one where they, um, um, they call the sex parties. That, yeah. 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 But I'm saying that even that was, if you don't even like the content of the movie, the movie was really good and it was well done, well shot. Just, yeah. 
Man, what is the name of that? I know. It's just, it's funny because like these are movies I have not thought about in a long time. It's, it's a phrase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm good. I have to get this. Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Let's see. You guys say movie. Otherwise, they'll talk about their relationship. No, I know. Let's see. Movie. Oh, Eyes Wide Shut. There we go. So they said there was like another 15, 20 minutes of sexual stuff in there that they cut out. Yeah. 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 But just that, yeah, I mean, he, he will always be remembered as a perfectionist, but I mean, he only, and he, the funny thing is, is that he really didn't do a lot of movies, but every movie he did is unforgettable. Yeah. From 2001 Space Odyssey, even Dr. Strangelove. I love that movie. Peter Sellers. Yeah. 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 Even um, uh, Quentin Tarantino is kind of the same. Yeah, exactly. He's done what? Eight? I think so. Yeah. He said he wanted to, I think he wanted to get to 10 or something. He was, he said the next one's going to be his last movie, but he, he yeah. says, I, I could change my mind. He might do TV series or something. And now he's writing books. That Ooh. book about film is really good. Yeah. Uh, Once upon a time in America, I watched it. I'm like pretty good film. And I'm like, not that great. I watched it again. I watched it a third time. Like that movie is genius, dude. Yeah. I, I love that film. Did you watch it? Oh yeah, and I saw it. I had the same reaction the first time I saw. It, I was like, "Yeah, eh, it's okay." And then I saw it the second time, better third time. And it's funny because that happened to me with uh, um, Death Proof. It happened to me with another one of his movies. It's like the more you watch it, the more you because first, especially with Death Proof, because that was part of the uh, Grindhouse with Robert yeah. Rodriguez plant tear. And Robert Rodriguez came first, and it was so over the top, fun all over the place. And then all of a sudden, bam! Death Proof is so much slower. There's a lot more dialogue. But alone, it's a really good movie. And I didn't really, you know, like when I, everybody was like, oh man, I'm going to fall asleep. But it played with that. When you see it on its own, it was so much better. And I realized that. Yeah, I agree. They should have played Death Proof first instead of, what is it, Planet Terror? Planet, Planet Terror. Terror. Yeah. Terror. Yeah, yeah. Because that was so much action with so many great actors in it. Oh yeah. Well, th- those yeah. two are, I, did you ever see the movie Four Rooms with them? They no. each, okay, for, um, what's, uh, Tim Roth plays a bellhop. And he, he goes into each room. Each room is a different director. So there's um, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, and two of their other friends that they they grew up with working together in the 90s. And it's, it's it came out, I would say, like 94, 95. It's a really good movie, but it's like four stories. Tarantino's story is more, it was like a, remember the Hitchcock episode where the guy, if he has to do the lighter 12 times, and if he doesn't, he has to, he's going to cut off his finger? No. Okay, well, it was based on that story. But he sort of, you know how he does, he takes an idea from that he grew up, and he pays homage to it, but he has his own twist on it. So yeah. his was that. And Robert Rodriguez's story was all starred Benicio del Toro, which is he pretty much has in a lot of his stuff, a lot of his movies in the early movies anyway. It's really good. Go check it out. Yeah. All right. So back to you now. I know you're hungry, and I'm gonna I have one more thing for you. Shoot. What's next and where can people find you? People find me, uh I'm so bad about the people find me. I don't have an internet site. Um, but you can go to Peter Anthony on uh, Facebook, Peter Anthony on um, uh, Indigo, uh, Indiegogo, Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. Twitter, um, Peter Anthony Productions on Twitter. You can find any of the movies on Peter Anthony Productions on YouTube. That's where Fall of Camp Blood is. That's where Roseblood is. Um, and that's it. I think, yeah, on Twitter, Peter Anthony Productions. And next is the movie Laugh, which we shoot the first three days in November. Was it third, fourth, and fifth? I believe the the weekend after Halloween. 
um with a, that's going to be like the my big baby you know we'll we'll see hopefully that's the big one and, and we make it with that but i'm super excited about that and i'll i'll keep in touch with you on it and yeah. uh, maybe even if you want to come out to set when uh, we shoot you can you could come out to set and watch it i would love that so yeah. when the movie comes out a little bit after that make sure you put at least three or four hours aside because we're gonna have another talk <laughs> yeah no <laughs> five hours six hours yeah no problem dude I really didn't even know what time it is. I'm like, man, I'm fucking hungry. And then I'm like, holy shit, we've been on for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. It was so much fun talking to you. So thanks yeah. for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for doing your research and everything. It's really refreshing to have an interviewer know what they're talking about. So thank you. All right. Well, I really do appreciate that. And you keep up the great work too. I enjoy your work and I look forward to um, laugh and everything, anything else that you're going to be uh, attached to in the future. All right, man. Thanks so much. All right. Well, that wraps up the latest episode of The Claws Corner. A huge thanks goes out to director, writer, producer, actor, editor, and fight coordinator, Peter Anthony, a.k.a. The Mad Cuban, for taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to be a guest on my show. I really do appreciate it. Another huge thanks goes out to John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for always doing a superb job editing the show each and every week and making it available to all. I am also very grateful for the hard work and dedication of Joseph Timothy Quirk and Rob Bull for all they do in making my show available on several radio stations in Connecticut, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. place is sweet. Too bad for you guys, there's only two chicks. She takes that camera everywhere with her. <gasps> guys! Guys! Uh, somebody's stalking around out there. <gasps> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Three years ago, three women disappeared camping. No case was even opened by the police. Cheesy! anything to sleep in the comfort of an air mattress. I'd watch your back, sweetie. I'd watch it real good. I need some air. In the middle of the damn woods. <laughs> Semantics. I really expected you to scream. Oh my. At least you kept your head on straight. Joe has no head. No!